In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Welcome, everybody, to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. One week until Christmas. As a matter of fact, next week at this time, it will be Christmas Eve, and we will be right here with Pastor Brett McAtee to present to you the biblical accounting of the Christmas story. But first, tonight's show. Keith and I have been preparing for this show about an hour in advance of the broadcast tonight. And it went from a show that I was thinking, you know, it's the week before Christmas. Maybe it's going to be a show with a little bit of filler. You know, I don't want to mail it in. But then manna from heaven came down. Manna from heaven to the extent that I believe that not only will we have a good show tonight, I think that this could be one of the most memorable shows of the year because of a couple of headlines. And we'll be tackling them in each of the first and second hours tonight welcome to the broadcast james edwards keith alexander the first story uh this is uh we're going to start the show like we've done the last couple of weeks it's another kanye west headline but he's only serving the platter tonight we're going to be the ones dishing it out i guess you could say in a manner of speaking he made headlines again this week after claiming that rosa parks was a plant kanye west claiming rosa parks was a plant made headlines and well, Keith, take it from there, for starters. Well, again, Kanye hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what happened. Basically, the entire civil rights movement was a theatrical production. We've said this many times on this show. We may as well just, you know, hit the nail on the head and drive it straight, as we say, because, you know, the, this, the thing that really holds us back as a movement is this sanctimonious uh almost sacred uh, aspect that they have shrouded the civil rights movement with. The civil rights movement was righteous and holy. And they always retreat to this. That's their uh, redoubt. Whenever uh, people start to get skeptical about the latest radical egalitarian movement of the left, like transgenderism or climate change or homosexual marriage or you know, whatever, you know, the sexual revolution, the drug culture, feminism, whatever, uh, 
what do they always do? They always, when they start losing ground, they retreat to the civil rights movement. And they say, but you have to admit the civil rights movement was totally justified. It was righteous and holy. And we were the righteous and holy ones. We're still the righteous and holy well, ones. Well, we're going to dive into this this hour in a way that we haven't done before. Now, certainly you've heard us talk about the fact that Rosa Parks was a plant. We've been saying it a long time before Kanye West. She was the one who stuck the landing. They had tried this before, the stage well, well, they stuck. Really, they really didn't try it. What happened was this, James. They actually had an episode like this where a black girl complained about having to uh, you know, go to the back of the bus, but it was a... 15-year-old girl named Claudette Coleman. She wasn't made for prime time like Rosa right. was. Yeah, yeah. She, 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 was, she was morbidly obese. She was 15 years old, an unwed mother, and she was as profane and ribald as you could possibly imagine. They didn't want that to be the face of the movement, so they recast it, did it as a theatrical production starring Rosa Parks. And Rosa Parks like was a trained agent at the Highlander Folk School. There are photos of her that is an incontrovertible fact. She was a Marxist agitator. Now, um, since she's back in the news, though, Keith, of course that makes us remember uh, our interview with Drew Lackey, the former, he was an officer at the time in the Montgomery Police Department. He rose up the ranks to become the chief of police in Montgomery, Alabama, that epicenter of the so-called civil rights movement. And of course, in addition to our interview with Drew Lackey, which you've heard, and which actually we even packaged as a fundraising incentive a couple of years ago, we put it on the CD, sent it out. So you've heard that one, you've heard us talk about it. I actually I really posted... think it's one of our best moments because if it were not for the political cesspool and James in particular, all of that would be lost to history. We were the only people that well, interviewed. Let me tell you, I posted a picture of Drew Lackey and I actually you can go look at it at Twitter at James Edwards TPC. I posted a picture of Officer Lackey, the officer who booked Rosa Parks on the night of her arrest. Took her fingerprints. And in that iconic picture, I posted that and uh, of us together at a conference in the mid-2000s. We were both speakers of that particular conference. It was a Council of Conservative Citizens conference and uh, a, a picture of the cover of his book. Now, the book is, is, is good. It is mainly an apologetic for the law enforcement agencies in Alabama at the time. He was much more on point, I thought, in the interview with TPC when he made mention of the fact that, hey, he also booked Martin Luther King, by the way. So he had up close and personal dealings with these uh, people. And he made and he mention of the, the fact that they, it was always crime and violence when they came to town. And as you said, Keith, that's when the cameras would start rolling, when the police would have to respond to the provocations of the so-called civil rights demonstrators. Now, nothing being taught about the so-called civil rights era is in accord with the facts. And uh, I posted this picture of Drew Lackey and I. He passed away at the age of 90 a couple of years ago and his book, and it really got a lot of engagements. I think about a 1,000 likes and several hundred retweets, uh, which is a pretty good uh, level of engagement. And one of the Twitter commenters wrote, conservatives are really <laughs> pathetic because conservatives were attacking Kanye West for saying Rosa Parks was a plant. And he writes that they internalized, these so-called conservatives, all the weaponized mythology from Rosa Parks to MLK to Lincoln in hopes of getting a good boy pat on the back from individuals who never tire of destroying everything conservatives hold dear. And well, I see, thought that was a good point, too. Well, James, you know, you and other people get on me occasionally for identifying as a conservative, but I'm a paleoconservative. You are, too. And these new 
normie cons, as we call them, that want to claim the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King and colorblindness as their stance that, you know, Martin Luther King was a Republican and Democrats were the real racists, all this type of stuff. Those people are hopeless. They are lost balls in high weed. Those people have bought into the lie that the civil rights movement was some righteous and holy, totally justified movement. It was just the first of a series of radical egalitarian leftist movements intended to destroy America as we know it. The, uh, you know, the white nation that uh, was founded here by George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, people like that. It was an anti-white movement. And these people that don't recognize that, they're beyond hope. And see, that's the thing about this program. So, yes, we brought to you Officer Lackey, who was an eyewitness to all of this history. And he wrote the book, Another View of the Civil Rights Movement. Good book. I thought an even better interview. And basically, in the interview, he echoes everything we've ever said about it. But that's not what's going to make this hour interesting and a standout. I'm going to tell you about another book. And another author that we interviewed, don't tell them who it is, that we interviewed on this show. And we're going to revisit that interview in depth with Keith's reaction and comments. And it's not somebody that you hear on anyone else's show. We'll be right back. I'm Michael Hill, president of the League of the South. I and my compatriots are Southern nationalists. We seek the survival, well-being, and independence of the Southern people, our people. The League wants a South that enjoys the sweet fruits of Christian liberty and prosperity, but our current situation won't allow it. We must have our independence from Washington, D.C. and the globalists. The present system cannot be reformed. Without independence, we will continue down this path of destruction. To us, this is not acceptable. I'm asking you, Southern man and woman, to join us today to free the South. Call us at 256 256- 757-6789 or see our website at www.leagueofthesouth.com God save the South Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying The lies come from Satan the father of lies John eight forty four. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Bye. 
sun will shine by day and all the stars at night. Melukaliki Maka is a wise way to say Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, girl. For anybody that may be listening to us in the tropics tonight, that one's for you. Welcome back to the show, James Edwards, Keith Alexander. So we were talking about the fact this headline-generating comment of Kanye West, Rosa Parks was a plant, caused us to remember our interview with the, the officer who booked her, the book that he wrote and the interview that he gave on this program. And then I started to think it's very difficult to find historical content from the pro-South side of the so-called civil rights movement. And then I remembered another book uh, that was sent to me, along with a gracious inscription. And uh, the title of the book is... George Wallace, The Man You Never Knew, by the man who knew him best. And it was a book written by George Wallace Jr., the governor's son. And uh, he wrote a very gracious inscription in the book to my good friend James Edwards with my hope that this book will allow you a greater understanding of my father and his love for Alabama and the country. Thank you for your friendship with warmest regards, George C. Wallace Jr. We actually interviewed George Wallace Jr. on this show. I remember. Some years ago. And we have not talked about that a lot. That was one that we haven't really replayed or revisited until now. So that's what we're going to do. Well, basically, we have, you know, it's occurred to us that we have a unique perspective on this issue. We talked about this early on. And furthermore, I lived through this era. There aren't a lot of people that did. And I can tell you the whole thing was a trumped-up theatrical production. And we'll give you all sorts of details about that. But see... There are so many people nowadays that want to claim that we were really the civil rights movement. We conservatives were, the Republicans were, et cetera, ad nauseum. But they don't realize that was the beginning of the end for white America. And we need to understand that because white America is what people want. That's why people are coming from the third world to America. They don't want to live in Harlem. They don't want to live in Orange Mound. They want to live in Knob Hill, or they want to live in the Upper West Side or something like this. That's what America has to offer. All right, Keith, here's what we're going to do. Uh, And and the only way we can do it is if we go quick. I'm going to play some selected clips. I went back and listened to the interview with George Wallace Jr. earlier today and made some selective cuts that we're going to be playing for you. And... Then we're going to get Keith's reaction to it, but we got to go quick if we're going to do that. And uh, so let's go to this first clip right now. Here we go. Here's the question is, what was it like growing up as the son of one of the most iconic governors in American history? Well, it was, it was very interesting, uh, and he was a fascinating man in so, so many ways. But uh, his career was one that uh, took off immediately, really, even be, uh, beyond the borders of uh, – of Alabama, and he became a national figure uh, very quickly, and uh, and so it was very interesting. Uh, our, our lives went from the, the tranquility and peaceful existence of rural Barber County in southeast Alabama to uh, uh, one of being in the governor's mansion and family of a very controversial uh, uh, a man. So. Uh, it was it was very it was very different. I uh, and I uh, frankly wrote the book. I, I always have enjoyed writing, and I started writing early in the mornings a few years ago. And the more I wrote about 
my father and events and so on, I, I, the more I realized that there was a man in my father many people never knew in, in so many ways. I know he's defined early on uh, relative to the issue of segregation, which was part of his journey. But but I tried to write and chronicle his entire journey, which uh, which I've done professionally, politically, and personally. And uh, once I had uh, done that, I, I realized that uh, uh, that uh, I've shed some light on a man many people never knew. But the lives we lived were very interesting because he he rose to the highest levels as a candidate and was winning in 1972 as a conservative Democrat when he was shot, taken out of the race. And, uh, uh, you know, I, in thinking about his, um, his journey politically, he has been called by many prominent writers, uh, and editorial, uh, columnists, uh, George Will, Dave Broder, Paul Greenberg, and Dan Carter and others as the grandfather of the modern conservative movement. Okay, here's what we're going to be doing for the rest of this hour, and I think this is going to be riveting. I, I hope it. I hope it is. I hope you like this. This is uh, we're revisiting my interview from ten years ago, maybe you know. And I got this letter in today, this uh, week, uh, Keith, uh, handwritten note from Michelle, who writes, "Just discovered your program about six weeks ago, and I love it. I love Harry Cooper and Shark Hunters as well. Don't forget our." Uh, Christmas fundraising drive, everybody. And Merry Christmas. That's from Michelle in North Carolina. So for the benefit of people who are new listeners, and this is one, just been listening for about six weeks. This is an interview from 10 years ago. So there's a good chance that a lot of people tune in tonight haven't heard this. So we're going to be replaying for the rest of this hour quick clips. That's actually the longest one we'll play. Quick clips and then getting quick reaction from Keith. But Keith, I want you to react to what you heard from George Wallace Jr. right there, the son of Alabama Governor George Wallace and another Alabama governor, his mother, if you remember, was also an Alabama governor, Lord Lurleen Wallace. Uh, the idea that what Wallace stood for is what conservatism is all about. Absolutely. We need to stop apologizing for segregation. And if you really want to taste the irony of all this, segregation is now what black leaders are calling for. They're calling for segregated dormitories. They are asking for segregated graduations. They want segregated class offerings and things like this. Everything that they, uh, and see, that's because segregation, quite frankly, is a natural, normal instinct among the tribes of humanity. Uh, you know, if you don't have a sense of solidarity with your own kind, quite frankly, most people, and in my experience, most black people will think that there's something wrong with you. That's, uh, you know, what, you're, you know, people like to live together. Look, when you have people coming here from overseas, what do they do? Let's say you have people coming from Syria or you have people coming from Morocco. What they do is they get a Moroccan neighborhood. They have parties for one another. They basically try to create a little Morocco over here in America under more prosperous circumstances. So stop apologizing for segregation. That is a natural, normal human instinct. This book, uh, as I said, difficult to find historical content from a pro-South side in that era. We have Drew Lackey's book, Another View of the Civil Rights Movement. We've interviewed him. This is George Wallace Jr.'s book. Uh, Governor George Wallace, the man you never knew from the man who knew him best. And 
It's full of suppressed information and photos. I was revisiting the book and the interview today. There's so many incredible pictures in this book, like the letter Charles Lindbergh sent to Governor Wallace, uh, showing how much Charles Lindbergh respected and admired and supported George Wallace. And how about this? I'm just going to play this very quickly and get your reaction, Keith. Well, I say I am. I got to remember to turn on the. All right, here it comes. Here it comes. We're going to get better at this. Okay, here we go. A PowerPoint presentation of some of the photographs. We have 333 photographs in the book, James, and I could have had a thousand. So, right. and I, where do you stop? But uh, interesting pictures of my dad and Elvis. Elvis was a great fan and used to call my father all the time. Elvis just loved him and. Um, so many historical photographs that are fascinating. But So, you know, Keith, we were talking a couple of months ago about the new Elvis movie, and in the new Elvis movie, they portray Elvis as this staunch integrationist siding totally with the black side of the civil rights movement. What did you just hear there? What's the actual history? Well, it wasn't just that cut and dry, was it? Well, he was a supporter of George Wallace, who was supposed to be the incarnation of the devil himself, according to the national news media. Basically, what he's saying is that these people nowadays that want to claim that everybody that lived through that era was either a closeted uh, left-winger or they were the devil incarnate, uh, they're just missing reality. I want to play. We, we, need, we need to talk about the reality of what things were back then. You're, if you're interested to hear more about Elvis and George Wallace, listen to this. It's very interesting about Elvis. Elvis used to call him all the time. He was a big fan of my dad's. Uh, he told him one time that he had a Wallace for President sign on the front lawn of Graceland <laughs> in 68. But after my father was injured in 72, Elvis would call quite often and offer him his various vacation spots around the uh, the world. And he said, George, I'll come pick you up on my jet and we'll just go wherever you want to go. My dad never never did the decline and was graceful and thanked him. But uh, he, Elvis was a big fan and I... Real history. So that wasn't in the movie. Why didn't that make the movie, Keith? Because we got to take a break. It didn't fit the narrative. The brand new movie out about Elvis. He's a staunch integrationist. He hates the South. He hates uh, the old South. But hmm, he was supporting Wallace in the '60s with a sign in Graceland. <laughs> we'll be right back. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. Travel delays are worsening this weekend before Christmas. FlightAware reports 3,800 delays and over 180 cancellations here in the country. The airport seeing the most delays? No surprise, Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. In an effort to try and prevent the spread of COVID-19 over the winter months, the Biden administration's Health and Human Services Secretary, Javier Becerra, says they're offering more free at-home COVID tests and establishing pop-up mobile vaccination sites, including providing support for health centers and nursing homes across the country. Florida struggling with below quantities of their orange crop, Rich Johnson explains. The combination of extreme weather and a disease attacking citrus fruit could drive down Florida's orange crop to its lowest level since before World War II. 
The forecast now is for Florida to produce 20 million boxes of oranges this year. That's about 51% below last year's crop. The cup of joe may not be available to your favorite coffee joint this weekend. Looks like you're going to have to get caffeinated somewhere else. Workers at about 100 Starbucks across the U.S. going on strike this weekend. Starbucks Workers United says the strike is to protest unfair labor practices, including closing stores that voted to join the union. It also claims that the company has refused to bargain for an initial union contract. This is the second cross-country strike by the union. That's Corey Myers reporting. A Motown legend will appear tonight at the Microsoft Theater at L.A. Live. Stevie Wonder's House Full of Toys benefit concert takes place starting around 8 o'clock at the downtown Los Angeles venue. Attendees are encouraged to bring a new toy. The staff members will collect them and distribute those to families. This is USA News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. And it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. I'd heard there was a secret chord That David played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall The major lift The barefoot king composing Christmas, everybody. I want to be sure to say that as we continue tonight's program. James Edwards, Keith Alexander, we were visiting an interview in light of Kanye West's comments this week that Rosa Parks was a plant with George Wallace Jr. And of course, his father, Governor George Wallace, was most known for his stand on segregation, the stand in the schoolhouse door. Let's go straight to that issue now. Uh, as my dad related to me over time, he said, son, we were taught that it was in the best interest of both races to be separate. Now, as archaic and antiquated and prehistoric as that sounds today, the point I make to you is that the people of the South did not have hate in their hearts. That's right. Now, there are exceptions to that, Jane, but generally the when you suggest that they do, as some on elite uh, left would, uh, that that's an agenda there. The people of the South do not feel that way and never did. Now, 
All right, Keith, a comment on that, and I mean a quick Well, one. that's right. It's uh, segregation is used to demonize Southerners. Basically, it was a common-sense compromise for allowing people of different races to live together, and it's a compromise that you see lived out every day in America today. You see groups, for example, the most segregated group in America are Jewish. They have their own neighborhoods. We have one in Memphis called Hebrew Heights. They give an excuse for, well, we're supposed to be in walking distance of our temple or whatnot. But nonetheless, they all live together in their own neighborhoods. But on the other hand, when white Gentiles try to do that, it's some great evil. A comment on Twitter uh, said, uh, I posted a picture of the Alabama State Troopers uh, on one side and then the so-called civil rights protesters on the others. And I said, the guys on the right were the good guys. Twitter commenter wrote, Blacks and whites both prioritize their interests. It's understandable that blacks wanted equality, but doesn't today's urban public transportation, both violent and dilapidation, support why whites wanted separation? Integration versus safety and standard of living will always cause tension. And that that is, I mean, he hit it spot on. I gave a speech in Selma earlier this summer. I stood on the Edmund Pettus Bridge where the so-called Bloody Sunday event occurred. And could anyone honestly say that Selma is a better, safer, cleaner and more efficiently run city now than it was in the 1950s. And if it's not, why is that so? The bottom line to me, Bull Connor was right, and George Wallace was right, and we continue to talk about this issue with his son, George Wallace Jr., 10 years ago on this program. And it's not just Selma that's like that. Uh, that we briefly touched on this morning when you and I were talking together on the phone. Uh-huh. And I'd like to say, and feel free to disagree with me if, if, if you'd like, but in no. many ways I've found personally your father's stand in the 60s to be commendable, and this is why. Uh, this was a state's rights issue, and as a populist, I feel as though, from an outsider looking in, he was advocating on behalf of the will of the people. The federal government simply didn't have the authority to do what they did in the South at that time. And it can be argued whether or not ultimately their actions were right or wrong. But I believe they overstepped their constitutional bounds. And I shared with you in our talk this morning that I was a guest on CNN a few years back for a full hour, uh, which is very rare, to discuss the topic of of self-segregation and they had me on as part of a of a panel to discuss this issue and i was there to present the merits of the case i guess they couldn't find anybody else to do it but but frankly even in 2012 uh, this uh, day and age in which we live blacks whites hispanics etc we all still self-segregate to a large degree and i find it to be quite natural that folks choose to associate with others who share a common ancestor uh, culture and religion it doesn't mean that it's wrong if you choose to associate with others who are different not at all uh, but it's a choice that a free people should have it's not racism uh, an obtuse hatred of people who are different from you for no reason whatsoever it's not racism to have a preference it doesn't mean you hate them i don't hate anyone and i know you don't either uh, it's a taboo subject we always have to walk a tightrope when discussing it and i know your father was conflicted by the matter before during and after his time in office but that's my personal take on it. Am I way off base here? Well, I, I, the inextricable link between states' rights and the sovereignty of the states, the Tenth Amendment, if you will, the Reserve Clause, uh, was inextricably linked with the issue at the time, which was segregation. And he felt, and the people of Alabama most felt, that we should determine our own timetable relative uh, to that. Uh, but he was raising constitutional questions at the University of Alabama as to who should run that institution, the federal government or the the uh, state of Alabama. Keith? The state of Alabama was financing it, so, so of course they should be running it. 
uh, you know, the idea that somehow it's uh, segregation is uh, unholy or racism. Racism is not a sin. You need to tell your pastor that the next time he gives you a uh, sermon on racism. Racism was an invented concept in the mid-30s by a German-Jewish homosexual pedophile named Magnus Hirschfeld who wrote a book called Racism, and he was trying to coin a new term with which to bludgeon conservatives and the right wing in Germany. So don't buy into this idea. You know, you can look through the uh, Bible all you want, and you won't find the word racism in it once. Okay. Now, how far could Governor George Wallace have gotten as candidate for president? George Wallace running on the issue of states' rights and, yes, segregation? I asked his son that question. battle that was raging way back then, James, is the same battle that rages today. And uh, he was, in many ways, prophetic about what he was saying way back then. But it was always the race issue that defined George Wallace. But really, he transcended it. And in 1972, in those primaries, on the day he was shot, May 15, 1972, in Laurel, Maryland, he was a million popular votes ahead of the other candidates in the Democratic primaries and several hundred delegates ahead. And uh, carried every county in the state of Florida and every county in the state of Michigan. So wow. he had truly transcended the issue of race. And he was a national figure, and he was stopped really the only way he could have been stopped. And I've written extensively about that in the book. There's so much more to, to his shooting that than people will ever really know. And uh, uh, But, uh, yes, the sovereignty of the states, the the the... the the sense that we should determine our own destiny and that that battle's raging today keith well exactly right when you hit the nail on the head you drive it he's straight. saying that george wallace was on a fast track to perhaps become president wallace in 1972 oh, he and he was. made mention of the fact that he was leading in delegate count and in the popular vote wasn't it remarkable we had so many assassinations back in the 60s uh, the two kennedys george wallace in the early 70s see there and Martin Luther King, there is something about you know there's there's a control mechanism that did not like people that varied from the gospel according to the establishment, the so-called deep state today. But that we had a deep state back then too. That's what we need to understand. There is not a uh, an instinctive revulsion uh, that was a to segregation. That was a learned behavior. That's what was hammered into the heads of young school children ever since the 60s, and they've done a wonderful job of making unreality the new reality. One more comment on whether or not George Wallace could have become president uh, from his son on this program. Uh, there is a very real chance, and not just uh, a possibility, uh, but a very real probability that your father would have been president of the United States in 1972. And uh, and you write about this in, in the book. And I, What was it like? I mean... At that point in the, in, in 72, uh, when that happened, uh, as knew something was going to happen, James. I, it was so, it, the momentum, Big Mo, as they call it, Big Momentum was on our side. You could feel it. You knew there was no way he was going to be stopped going to Miami. He'd have the, the delegate. He was the only conservative running for president that year. And I think, Keith, that's right. You know, the other phony conservatives, look. Richard Nixon, come on. Richard Nixon was the guy that made affirmative action the uh, enforcement policy of the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, of the uh, 
you know, that was part of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, the enforcement thing. So, you know, obviously Richard Nixon was not a conservative. The real conservative, the real cultural conservative, the only one on the ballot in 72 was George Wallace. Well, I got to say this. We don't have time to get into another clip. There's three more I want to play in the next segment. We're going to talk about the movie that was made about George Wallace. It's entitled, appropriately enough, George Wallace. It was made by TNT. It was a TNT made-for-TV movie. TNT used to make movies like that about George Wallace. Gary Sinise played George Wallace in the film. We've interviewed Gary Sinise on this program. Uh, great actor. I mean, Lieutenant Dan. I mean, he was on, I don't want to get him in trouble, he was on exclusively to promote his foundation about raising you know, money to help as wounded as conservative warriors. as anyone from Hollywood can be. Well, no, I mean, well, he was on, he was doing a benefit in Memphis, not for us, but he was doing local Memphis media. We were able to get him. Uh, and uh, But anyway, movie about George Wallace. We'll talk about that with his son, revisiting this interview from 10 years ago. Thanks to Kanye West, who put it in my mind, mentioning Rosa Parks. Kanye so we'll be right is, back. Kanye's we'll a bell ringer. Right back. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while, at the same time, exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com. MericaFirst.com. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at LocalHoneyMan.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. Hallelujah, 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 
Welcome back, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this revisitation of our interview with George Wallace Jr. in light of uh, this era being brought back. Drew Lackey. Drew Lackey. Well, we didn't go back to the clips with the interview from Drew Lackey because I think we have replayed that interview since the first time we did it live a couple of times over the years. And we even sent it out as a CD incentive gift uh, for a fundraising drive a couple of years ago but never have we replayed any of this particular interview See, which there, was there, there done is in 2012. another there is another version to this story of the civil rights movement and you won't hear it anywhere except here on Well the you'll Plus never Central. hear this right here so we were talking about the fact that hey there was a chance that George Wallace would have become president Wallace in 1972 his positions yes including segregation and everything he stood for in the 60s were popular enough to carry him, at least the Democratic the nomination, at least the Democratic nomination. Then he got shot. Now, here's something you're going to hear nowhere else but the political cesspool. Let's go back to the son of George Wallace, George Wallace Jr. And, right. Uh, a couple of letters in our family archives years ago that were not intended for the public domain where my father had written Arthur Brimmer, the man who shot him, left him paralyzed and in pain until uh, the day he died. And he told Arthur Brimmer that he loved him. And he said, Arthur, I've forgiven you, and if you'll ask our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into your heart, you and I will be together in heaven. You ever heard that anywhere else but this radio program, no, Keith? No, not at all. In what fact, do you think about something that, that is That gave me chills. They don't want to have anything that would portray George Wallace in a human or positive That life. is the point. See, you get a totally one-sided demonization. It's not even a case Of him and us. Of him and us and anybody who thinks sensibly about things. Anyone that will dare to break the taboos that they have set artificially on our discourse. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're enjoying this, and I hope that you are, uh, remember that we are in the midst of our fourth quarter most important Christmas fundraising drive. But listen, you got to have, I think, I hope you'll agree, you got to have voices like this on the radio. We need your support. We truly need it before the end of the month to keep this thing going 18 years next year be 19 let's uh let's keep it going so we can have more interviews like this and uh, uh the kind of talk radio you're not going to hear anywhere else now i mentioned the movie uh that uh ted turner produced they had movies like this that turner uh would produce back in the 90s including a movie called the hunley which is a very pro-southern depiction of the hunley's story uh it featured Hunley, of course, was a submarine that the, Confederate uh, the, the submarine. first operative submarine that sank an enemy ship in battle. That's right. And Amand Asante played Lieutenant Dixon, who was the captain of the Hunley, and Donald Sutherland played uh, PGT Beauregard in the movie. Good movie. I've got that one. I've also got this movie. It's called George Wallace. Gary Sinise played Governor Wallace, and Mayor Winningham played Lurleen Wallace, and... Angelina Jolie played his second wife, Cornelia uh, Wallace. And let's listen to uh, my question of George Wallace Jr. about the movie. I was talking with our featured guest about the movie uh, uh, made uh, about his dad's life, which I have and which I remember watching uh, almost for inspiration uh, in advance of my own campaign for the Tennessee State House of Representatives in 2002. This movie came out in 97. Uh, that didn't work out for me, but I did get into radio, so all's well that ends well. Uh, the movie, though, Gary Sinise won an Emmy for the performance for his portrayal of your father. And Gary Sinise, one of the all-time great actors, uh, and he won the Emmy on the very night that your father passed away. He, he did. He, uh, uh, my understanding is that 
he got the news uh, backstage and actually walked out on stage and just made the announcement that Governor Wallace had uh, had passed away. And I heard Gary on a, on a, an interview in in Florida. My wife was down in Bradenton, uh, Palmetto, Sarasota area, and I was down there, and he had made mention that it was the most intriguing part that he'd ever played. Wow. In his career, and that uh, was a source of great pride to me, but it was produced. I see that that that's interesting to me. So here's Gary Sinise, a Hollywood A-lister, saying that of all the movies he's been in, I mean, he was in Forrest Gump. He's been in so many movies. I mean, he is an A-lister. He said the most interesting character, or whatever, what, what was the word he used, the adjective he used just then, uh, that he's ever played was George Wallace. Most intriguing that he's ever played was George Wallace. Now, when you have these movies that are made now, uh, from that era, uh, the the actors who play the Southerners, oh, I, I would never even talk to them. Oh, I, would, I had to, you know, de-louse after playing that role. But th- this is an A-lister, Gary Sinise, a conservative by Hollywood standards, certainly, saying the most intriguing character he ever played in all of the movies he's been in was George Wallace. I thought that was very interesting. Well, of course, we've got a very slanted viewpoint on the position of people like George Wallace and defenders of the old order in the South back in the civil rights movement. They're all supposed to be villains, and all of the people opposed to us were supposed to be heroes. And, you know, that's one of the incredible things about the civil rights movement. During the civil rights movement, it was the first time that the law enforcement, the police, were successfully portrayed to the American public as villains, and the lawbreakers, the civil rights demonstrators, were presented as heroes. Here's one more thing about the movie. Uh, The movie came out the year... Governor Wallace died, and I asked his son if the governor got to see it. Did Gary Sinise nail your father's mannerisms? Was he the no, George he Wallace of all the, and of course, Sinise, a Hollywood A-lister to say the least, and, and you look at his career and his portfolio. Yeah. Uh, did he sum it up, and did you have any interaction with him or the, the cast during production? I, I did not. I, I talked to Mayor Winningham, uh, the, the actress who portrayed my uh, my mother, and they, they had an opening in Washington that I could not make because of a prior engagement, but some friends were, of mine were there, and I uh, received a note from, from uh, Gary Sinise that uh, pleased he was to portray my father. But uh, uh, it was uh, an interesting movie, and my father did see it, yeah. I, I thought that was just very cool that he was able to see that movie just right before he passed away. Now, there's one more thing that I want to play from this uh, interview with uh, George Wallace Jr., and it's him talking about the people of the South. This was the last question I asked him in this interview, which you can listen to in its entirety in our broadcast archives. And I also have written extensively about the people of the South. I've always resented how the people of the South, even today, are portrayed by many on the left uh, because there's an agenda at work, James. If they can portray Southerners in such a way as slow and backward and all that, and then you correlate that with the fact that we're generally conservative, then we must be flawed. Right. Well, we're not flawed. I'm, I'm convinced that the people of the South and the spirit of the people of the South is going to save the country. I really believe that. How about that? Well, he's exactly right. The Civil Rights Movement was their first step forward in the leftist takeover of America's culture. And that's not by accident because they knew that segregation was legal segregation legally enforced segregation was specific to the South. And this was a way to separate the white community, the North, from the South. That's the only way they could win. And then later on, in the early 70s, when you had busing, when you went from desegregation to 
aggressive integration. People up north in places like Boston said, uh-oh, we've been sold a bill of goods. This thing, you know, we should have made common cause with the southerners before, but now it's too late. That's, that's exactly how they intended it to work out. I want to say something about this book. People asked would I recommend this book, and I would. It is very interesting, but it does paint the full picture, and I want to be very fair to George Wallace Jr., because during the full and complete interview, we didn't play the whole thing, but he does make mention of the fact of the different phases of his father's life. The Wallace that we know and love for his inauguration speech and the schoolhouse door stand, that was the most memorable phase of his life. Before that, Wallace was originally a racial moderate in the make and mold of the Big Jim Folsom. Uh, he then became a staunch segregationist. And George Wallace Jr. says he really did believe in it. Now, finally, though, he evolved into after his his, uh, his uh, the shooting and after uh, his injury, he evolved into a reconciliationist. He apologized for some of the stands that he took in the 60s. Uh, after the tide turned, still a larger-than-life character worthy of our admiration, someone driven by ambition, and that's okay. I'm a pragmatist. As I've always said, I understand that politicians and captains of industry will fall in line with our way of thinking whenever the time comes that we can exert more leverage than our enemies, and that was the case in George Wallace's life. And I'd rather have true believers, but I will take a win however it comes. I do think he was a man uh, who is certainly worthy of our admiration and we go back to this uh, this is what he is most remembered for probably this one minute of his life is what he is most remembered for here is george wallace himself today i have stood where once jefferson davis stood and took an oath to my people it is very appropriate that from this cradle of the confederacy this very heart of the great anglo-saxon southland that today we sound the drum for freedom, as have our generation of forebears before us done time and again down through history. Let us rise to the call of freedom-loving blood that is in us and send our answer to the tyranny that clanks its chains upon the South in the name of the greatest people that have ever trod this earth. I draw the line in the dust and toss the gauntlet before the feet of tyranny and I say segregation now, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. And you know who wrote that speech? Asa Carter. Asa Carter, the author of The Outlaw Josie Whale. And, and uh, don't say anything else because I don't want you to say who he's related to, who's a fan of this, you know, no, what no, family no. listens to this program. But I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, that... You know, he did believe that, and he was always near a Confederate flag, that he would want to make peace at the end of his days. With, for whatever reason, I will give him Look, I lived, I lived in that, that era. The people in the white community that supported segregation did not hate blacks. Quite frankly, black Southerners and white Southerners got along famously. The only time we had any problems were when a third-party agent provocateur from outside the area came in and stirred up trouble. In the first Reconstruction, it was Yankee abolitionists. In the second Reconstruction, it was Jewish freedom riders. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that revisitation with a very classic interview that I think uh, some of our newer listeners, and that uh, by new I mean if you've started tuning in in the last decade, you'd have never heard before. It's just part of what we do here. Uh, please support our work, our Christmas fundraising drive is underway. Find out more at thepoliticalcesspool.org. Uh, God bless you. Governor Wallace and your entire family will be back with the second hour. 
Next, we're going to talk about self-segregation in light of a shooting that just happened at a Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant. What's going on? We'll tell you next. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607 203 5423. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to The Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. The only untold story of World War II you will ever need to know. You have done a magnificent job. The visual impact that people will experience when they see what you have produced, you've been very impartial in your presentation, and you have allowed the people, the viewers, to make up their own mind. You present the, the evidence and anyway, it's an honor to have you on the program. To find out more on this phenomenal documentary series, go to the greatest story never told.tv. Herbs have been used by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at HeathenHerbs.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program, and here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Oh! 
Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two is upon us. This last show, our penultimate broadcast of the season. Keith, can you believe it? We've only got one more show after this. This is the next to last, and we're trying to knock it out of the park before we focus on all things spiritual next week with Pastor Brett McAtees. He will tell us the biblical accounting of the Christmas story. How about that first hour with George Wallace what, Jr. revisiting that one? It just falls in our lap, like you said, manna from heaven. Uh, Kanye is really stirring the pot. With the Rosa Parks stuff. That's right. Well, here's another one. Here's another one that came up, another story that came up this week that caused me to start to thinking about things that might make for interesting radio. Uh, So at a Kentucky Fried Chicken location in St. Louis, and you can imagine uh, what the demographics of that in St. Louis were, a customer, black customer, went into a KFC and he ordered a meal. And when the cashier told him that they were out of corn, he pulled out a gun and blasted him. Capped him. So when people say, well, these racists hate blacks, no, we do, however, want to keep our families and the people that we care about, including ourselves, at an arm's length from this type of behavior. Well, we want to maintain the decorum and the ethical and moral standards of a Western European-derived nation. That's what we are. I don't think that's asking too much of anybody from another background that comes to America that you need to assimilate to civilized ways of living. So I found that story. The headline reads, KFC employee shot in St. Louis after customer told they're out of corn. And I captured that headline. I put the comment on top of it. As I said during one of my CNN appearances, quote, you can't have a first world nation with a third world population. Now, when I was preparing for that particular broadcast, Keith was the one who fed me that line. He said, when it comes up, you say this. And uh, for all the things I may be remembered for by this audience, that quote is one of them. And Jesse Lee Peterson saw that I had tweeted that and he retweeted it. Well, I was on the show with Jesse Lee Peterson the night I said it and he retweeted it. And that got one of his followers saying, wow, I just found on YouTube this appearance of y'all on CNN together. Now, I did not know that was actually still on YouTube. I knew it was years ago, but after we got blasted off of YouTube, I didn't think to check again. Well, I went back and I watched that particular appearance, and we're going to take three clips from it and break it down over each of the next three segments. Now, that particular CNN broadcast was concerned with the topic of self-segregation. And I thought this would dovetail nicely in with the first hour's conversation with George Wallace Jr., whose father was most known, of course, about his stand for segregation. Let's play that first clip now if we've got it ready, Liz. And we have a special out in the open panel tonight. They'll be with us throughout the hour to talk about self-segregation. Molly Secour, who writes a column on race relations for blackcommentator.com. CNN contributor Roland Martin. Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, founder and president of Brotherhood Organization for a New Destiny. And James Edwards, host of the Political Cesspool on WRLMAM Radio in Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome all. Thank you. Good to be here, Paula. One of the most striking things about talking to these kids is the extent to which they downplayed the issue of race and why it is all the white kids sat together, the black kids and the Hispanics. Do you buy that? I don't. You know, a lot of white Americans are afraid 
to talk about race and morality concerning black Americans. But I was because, talking to black kids too. Yeah, they said the same well, thing. They said we want to be around kids that have something in common with us. We, you know, we're in schoolrooms with them all day long. Lunches are, you know, the yeah, you do find little that. bit of time that we have to relax. People tend to be comfortable with folks that they know, but when it comes to white and black, the white and black issue. Most black Americans are racist and, and resentful of white Americans, and so they don't feel comfortable around white Americans. And instead of facing their racism, they say, well, it's the white man. White people are racist toward us, and white folks are fed up. They are afraid to speak up for fear of being called racist. They are now afraid to hang around with, with black Americans because right. wait, wait, of wait, the wait, fear wait. of saying the wrong thing. So you're telling me these kids at this school in, in this, this racially diverse city are all racist? I'm not saying or just I, the no, black kids? I'm not saying that they all are, but I am saying that most blacks are today, and we haven't dealt with the issue of racism from black Americans toward white folks because blacks have been told that they can't be a racist by their quote-unquote leaders. And so racism uh, within the hearts and minds of black folks concerning white Americans have not been dealt All with. All right. I wrote an article for worldnetdaily.com looking for one strong white man, a white man that would speak up. And I received truckloads of emails from white Americans who said that I am afraid to deal with black folks for fear of being called a racist. I got it from preachers and non-preachers alike. James. Paula, uh, Reverend Peterson's absolutely white. As a white American, I think that what's uh, portrayed throughout the controlled media is that self-segregation is something that we should apologize for, when in fact the exact opposite is true. I think that it's perfectly natural and healthy that one would choose to associate with members of their own families, people with whom they share the same values and uh, traditions and heroes. There's nothing enriching uh, for white school children to be bussed across town to uh, gang-ridden schools in which they have to walk through metal detectors but before they can the report the here. class. This time out, James, you get the last word, and then you all get to only chime liberal, in after the break. Only liberal demagogues believe that human nature can be uh, carried away on an integrated school bus. There's nothing wrong with European Americans standing up for their culture and their traditions, and you want that for minorities, well, we want it for ourselves. And I think many uh, white Americans are seeing through this charade, and I'm one of them that's beginning to speak out against it. Do you consider yourself a racist? No, I consider myself a man who's proud of his cultural heritage. All right, I'm going to take a short break. Hold your thoughts. Hold your fire. Uh, we've got a lot more to discuss here. So that was the prime time show on CNN in 2007. That was in the spring of 2007. We'd only been on the air less than three years, about two and a half years when they called me up. It took us two and a half years from the first night we were on the air to we were prime time on the 8 p.m. Eastern broadcast, saying things like that on national television. Is that when Keith. you went over to that little uh, studio? No, 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 no. That was another appearance on CNN. This one, they this was actually filmed at C or taped live. It was aired live yeah, you, you were, at CNN studios in Manhattan. You, you were Manhattan. air buzzed up to New That's York. City, right? That's that, well, for that one, yes. I was on a series of times. That was the one they flew me up to, to New York. Some of the other ones we did it at a remote location. But prime time in, in 2007, I can tell you there was nobody else talking like that on national television right. about and the you, issue you of see segregation. How, you saw how they put the kibosh on that type of conversation, time too, Time for right? a break. <laughs> That's an old trick in the media. But Jesse Lee Peterson, listen, if Jesse hadn't retweeted my comment about the Kentucky Fried Chicken shooting and somebody on his Twitter feed found that clip. We wouldn't be talking about it tonight, but I think it's important, especially for the people who are tuning in that haven't heard that before to just remind people that the, exactly the level we've been operating at for nearly two decades here on this program. I tell you There's what, been a lockdown on freedom of speech on these type of issues ever since that time. We'll be back and uh, we'll get Keith's commentary on some more of uh, that kind of stuff. When we come back, stay tuned, everybody.
Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years, and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com, MericaFirst.com. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Christmas song ever of that kind. Now I'm not. Uh, uh, <laughs> I am not comparing it to the hymns and the carols. That is a different kind. But of that kind, you know, I'm a wall of sound guy, right, Keith? Absolutely. And I'm a George Wallace guy. Too. I'm, <laughs> I'm a George Wallace guy. But I'll tell you, Phil Spector could put a 60-piece orchestra in a closet and crank out hit after hit after hit. The best record producer of the rock and roll era, and he was he was a madman. I mean, he, he convicted of murder even, uh, but he was an evil genius. Well, well, <laughs> well, he knew what he was doing. You know, if you really want to hear the wall of sound, listen to the Righteous Brothers singing "You've Lost That Love ah, Feeling." Look, all of that stuff. See, we can say good things about Jewish people. And you've got one. You say you know a former mayor of Memphis who happened to be Jewish who could put Wallace to shame on the issue of segregation. Right. He never backed down. Henry Loeb was a Jew I wish that I could have unleashed upon the entire world. He was 
demonized and just shown in little bits, but he was six foot six and looked and sounded like John Wayne. And he was a staunch segregationist. I remember that he joined my church and left the Jewish faith, and I asked him why he did that in a, uh, after a, he spoke to our Sunday school class. In high, I was in the high school Sunday school class, and he said, well, the real reason was I got tired of being harangued every Sabbath by Rabbi Wax at Temple Israel, where <laughs> he used to go, about how I ought to handle the um, garbage worker strike. He said, Rabbi Wax believes in the separation of church and state, just not the separation of synagogue and state. All right, so here's the thing. Why are we revisiting these things tonight? Well, I thought that the George Wallace thing it was definitely interesting, especially for new listeners. And for anybody who may have heard it a decade ago, the only time we aired it, when it aired live, I thought it, it was owed a revisitation after Rosa Parks being back in the news this week and that era being back in the news. Uh, but so much of that era dealt with the issue of segregation. And so you fast forward all the way to 2007. Here I am on a panel of four talking about the issue of self-segregation on the biggest cable news show in the country at the time. All is on was uh, the moderator. That was back when people, well, she was the hostess of that show uh, back at the time. In 2007, CNN still had an audience, and so there we were. And Jesse Lee Peterson was on my side of the table, and on the other side of the table was Roland Martin and Molly Secours, Paula Zahn in the middle, and uh, there we were in Manhattan, and we're going to play the second. Back when CNN had probably ten times the yeah. listenership oh, sure. that it has sure, today. Sure, sure, sure. Well, in any event, only two and a half years into the run of this program, we had already made it up to that level of play, and, uh, well... Here we are now. Until they decided that James told too much truth. <laughs> too much truth. Well, anyway, we were talking about segregation. In the last clip, we were talking about segregation in the schools. Here's a clip about uh, they, they tried to trip me up because they knew I was going to be on to advocate for segregation. By the way, you know, uh, it was in the movie that we talked about, George Wallace movie. George Wallace Jr. mentioned it in the interview, and he mentions it in his book that late in his father's life, he apologized for his role in... The Birmingham, which, which Henry Loeb did not apologize The Birmingham for, by the way. church bombing. And I said, you know, if anything, I say he should have congratulated the South, lauded the South on how much self-control they had, that there was so little violence when you had so much change happening so rapidly against the will of the people by outside forces. And so, but listen, an old man apologizing the, the at the end of it all. And I don't even know if that Birmingham church street bombing the Birmingham, excuse me, the Birmingham church bombing was uh, was legitimate. I mean, that, that well, could have let, been. Let me tell you what I understand very, very, about Very since, quick. we got to go to this clip. About it. The bombers basically picked a fire escape that had, uh, you know, limited access said used for emergencies only. They intended for the bombs to go off, break some windows, and shock people but not hurt anybody. They did not uh, imagine that four little girls would play hooky from Sunday school, go into that uh, uh you know, fire exit and be smoking when the thing went off. Well, so they try to trip me up in this one. They found an affluent black neighborhood in Atlanta, in Lithonia, Georgia at the time. I'm sure it's a hellscape now. But they said, oh, look at this clip, James. Are you saying you wouldn't like to live in this affluent black neighborhood? Look how nice all the houses look. Let's play the clip. Also with us tonight, Reverend Jesse Lee no, no. Peterson, Second who clip. says blacks are uh, We've all already played that one. So this would be clip B or clip also two. Also with us tonight, Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, uh, who says blacks are I'll often. Find it. I'll find it on my end. 
Uh, hang on a second. I've got it over here. We'll play it uh, locally instead of at the network. I don't know why that one's playing again. That's okay. Uh, but it's going to take a second to find it. Here we go. All right, here's the clip, and we're going to play it now. You got any Jeopardy theme music you can play, Keith? <laughs> here we go. No, I, they were playing the right clip. My apologies, Liz. I'm sorry. It looked like they were introducing us again. Let's play that clip. You got it right. My, my, my bad. Play it. Also with us tonight, Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, who says blacks are often responsible for self-segregation and victimization, and James Edwards, who is a white separatist. Welcome back. Now, you have been highly critical yeah. of African Americans. You think a lot of crime and poverty follows where they are. Take a look at that community. Well, look. It, is it, that it, a place I, where you could live? No, no, it absolutely does follow them, and you know that it does. And I think CNN outdid themselves in finding the strong, affluent black community, because that is certainly the exception and not the rule. Nine times out of ten, integration is a one-way street that runs directly through white neighborhoods, and uh, I think that we've seen that uh, throughout the last 40 years as the failed civil rights movement has manifested itself in our daily lives. Crime, crime does follow blacks who don't have Absolutely. two parents in their homes. Absolutely. Uh, crime and violence and the lack of moral character, oh. right? So white folks don't commit crimes, right? Where are okay, there two parents? But where there are two parents, you don't tend to find well, out that's, of control. I think that's you're, you're talking it's, about self-segregation. Stable family. Yes. That's, that's a flight of black You're talking about self-segregation, but forced integration is not a path to equality. It's a march towards totalitarianism. And all of these liberal talking heads that want to talk pro about the wonders of diversity, spend a week on the mean streets of South Memphis and you'll graduate with a degree in race relations. I guess your neighborhood is really safe, huh? Yes, it is. Yeah, right. Oh, boy. You patrol okay, there? hang on. Gotcha. Stay with me. The conversation, I <laughs> will continue on the other side. I love side. that. James, James will tell oh, 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 call a spade a dirty shovel, as my wife's grandfather used to say. See, that was my first time on on, on national television Never like that. Never backed up an inch. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, if I had it to do over again, I would have gotten a lot more in than I did. I waited for... Paula Zahn to call on me before I spoke. If I knew how media works now, it's like we do it here. We just talk all over each other. <laughs> you know, that's what, you know, and that's what uh, talk radio is. That's strong what, survive. Well, that's what, uh, you know, when you're having a, a debate like that, you just got to bulldog your way in. I was 26 years old, okay? So it was my first time, and so I waited to be called on before I spoke. But, yeah, you heard us mixing it up there, and uh, Jesse Lee Peterson was a great sparring partner in that, that particular that, that exchange. That naysayer you heard was Roland Martin. Yeah, he was saying, well, whites don't commit crime as if that's some sort of a gotcha thing. Yeah, whites commit crime, but not nearly to the extent per their proportion of the population. 13% of the population he asked create my, over 50% of the violent he, crime. He asked if my neighborhood was safe. I said yes. He said, oh, yeah, right. I mean, so that, that's all they've got. They've got name-calling. They've got laughter. They've got mocking. They've got talking over. But they, they have don't, no facts. Well, so what did you think about what you just heard? I loved it, man. I tell you, that's how you cut your teeth. That's how you got your <laughs> reputation. You didn't back up. It's a, you know, you're strong as Garrett Snuff. As well, say. that's the thing. Wallace should have never – listen, and I can't take it away from him. He was our man in the arena and one of the most tumultuous pivots in American history in the 1960s. And look, he did it to the wall. I, I, I think, you know, the only thing else he could have done – well, he should have done. Well, no, 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 no. He should have called in the Alabama National Guard, and he said, "If you if you force this integration on us, you better you better bear down." See, on that, us. that's what that was. What happened at the University of Alabama in that when that famous speech was being made? What happened at Oxford 
uh, Mississippi when they integrated Ole Miss. They're, still, they're trying to and, get Jerry Jones now because he was caught in the frame of a picture at one of these integration. Yeah, and then did you uh, hear that? Yeah, I've heard that. And then on the other hand, they had Little Rock. They had the 101st Airborne come in with bayonets drawn. All of that was a direct and palpable violation of the Posse Comitatus Law, which was the first law passed by the Southerners once they got back into Congress after Reconstruction in 1877 to make sure that the U.S. military was never again, as it was during Reconstruction, used as a police force against American citizens. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you're hearing tonight, support our work. We need your support to stay on the air. Uh, Listen, we don't have the sponsors that CNN had when I was on. Uh, We are listener-supported 100%. Stay tuned and help us out. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. A mass shooter's father has now been charged where seven people at a 4th of July parade were killed in Highland Park, Illinois. Robert Cremeau Jr. turned himself into police under an arrest warrant, charging him with seven counts of reckless conduct for helping his son get a gun license. The prosecutor says the father was criminally reckless when he sponsored his son's gun license application. An American college student reported missing in France is on his way home. French authorities say Ken DeLand Jr. has been reunited with his mother in Lyon, and the two will be boarding a plane today for the flight back to the U.S. The 22-year-old made contact with his parents Friday morning from Spain after disappearing from his study abroad program in Grenoble in late November. More charges for a subway shooter in Brooklyn. Frank James is accused of setting off smoke bombs and firing nearly three dozen rounds on a train bound for Manhattan. A federal grand jury returned a superseding indictment, charging him with 10 counts of a terrorist attack and other violence against the mass transportation system. That's one count for each victim in the shooting. James pleaded not guilty back in May. The victims, ranging in age from 16 to 60, all survived the attack. A soccer star's jerseys are sold out worldwide. Argentina's soccer sensation Lionel Messi's jerseys were sold out ahead of tomorrow's World Cup final. Adidas says all its stores shelves around the world are completely empty of the Argentina number 10 jerseys. The German company says it's rushing to get more Messi jerseys in stores as soon as possible. Messi, one of the greatest soccer players ever, he will attempt to win his first World Cup when Argentina faces France in Qatar. Tonight's Powerball jackpot, $149 million. This is USA News. Paid for by government.com. Did you hear? A recent stash of $10 Gold Liberty coins from the 1800s has been found. These gorgeous gold coins are as bright and shiny as the day they were struck in the late 1800s, and less than 50 of these gold coins are available. Coin experts are calling this gold find an incredible opportunity. Call 1-888-201-7060, and you are guaranteed a $10 Gold Liberty coin minted by the U.S. Mint in the 1800s. But with extremely limited availability, you must call now. These gold Old Liberty coins from the 1800s are still in uncirculated condition. That is history you can hold in your hand. To learn more, call 1-888-201-7060. Call now and you'll receive a free American Coin Collector's Bonus Package, a $40 value, free with every order. Call 1-888-201-7060 now. 
to secure your $10 Gold Liberty coins dated from the 1800s before they sell out. That's I tell you what, that's our kind of stuff right there, Andy Keith. <laughs> Charlie Brown Christmas. You love it? I love it, man. All right. Well, it takes me back a flashback, flashback from the past. I tell you what, I love is telling the truth, and I've been able to do that for the last eighteen years. Not just on this venue, but some of the biggest venues in the land. On that uh, particular, and how liberating it is, isn't it, James? Oh boy, I tell you, it's been a life worth living. On that particular broadcast, which again we're revisiting because why? Because we had the KFC shooting. The black guy shot the uh, clerk because they were out of corn. I tweeted about it. Jesse Lee Peterson retweeted my tweet, and then somebody said, "Wow, I can't believe I found." Uh, this video of you two teamed up together on CNN. I was like, you know, I didn't know that that was still up there. There was uh, several appearances I made on CNN, one of which uh, on immigration I have never rewatched. It was uh, I have it on DVD in the attic. I actually went up to the attic, and I found all kinds of goodies. Uh, Keith uh-huh. said, "What's this VHS? It is raw footage of." Pat Buchanan and I walking around at the Hermitage for a five o'clock Nashville news. Oh, that, you need to run that. That needs to be. Uh, that needs <laughs> Nobody's to be ever get. seen that. Well, what you need to do is make that one of our uh, yeah, that uh, giveaways the for the uh, uh, you know fundraising drive. Well, I gave a speech about that at the Countercurrents, where I gave a little bit of background on that particular moment in my life and how it happened, and of course the rest was history. It's all God's will. It was fate. Whatever you want to call it. You know, they, they call it the hermitage because it's supposed to be where a hermit lived. You know, uh, Andrew Jackson was a very convivial and gregarious hermit, if he was, because he used to have all sorts of people. i tell you what, he beat the banks. You know, he was the only president who did well, that. He, he beat the banks, and he uh, uh, also, you know, he, he did what he said he was going to accomplish. And believe me, it was a big job. And, of course, who was it that finished up with ending the bank, uh, settling the Mexican border dispute? gaining one-third of the United States in the process and settling the Canadian dispute, none other than Tennessean James K. Polk, who was young Hickory to Andrew Jackson's old And do you know one of Andrew Jackson's arch rivals was another Tennessean by the name of Davy Crockett? Now, could you imagine the embarrassment of riches you would have had if you had to pick between Andrew Jackson and Davy Crockett as to which side you were on? Those were the two sides you had to choose from? Well, you know Davy Crockett's famous life motto is ours, too. He said... I leave these words for others when I'm dead. Be always sure you're right, then go ahead. In other words, don't worry about what's politically correct or what the prevailing winds of public opinion say. Just decide what is right, and you can sleep well at night. And I think also I like what he said when he was voted out of office. He told his colleagues in Congress, y'all can go to hell, I'm going to Texas. <laughs> Pretty much. No, he actually said that to his constituents in West Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> was it that? Yeah. I thought it was the, the Congress he said. Anyway, well, it was a great line, whoever he said it to. In, in any event, so back to CNN, all the way back in the late great year of 2007. I'm 26 years old. I turned 27 a couple of months later in the summer of 2007. 
Talking about self-segregation for the full hour that night, uh, they did a segment on school segregation, a segment on segregation in neighborhoods. Here's a segment on segregation in the church. Let's play it, Liz. We want to hear what you have to think about this. We asked you our quick vote question. Is self-segregation bad for race relations in the U.S.? 46% of you said yes. 37% said no. 17% says doesn't matter. We should make it clear the results are not scientific. What do you make of those results? Well, I, I don't know what to make of the results. I mean, obviously, the people who tune in to, to CNN probably wouldn't be of a conservative persuasion for the most part. But getting back to the churches, as a Christian... Man, well, it's not that we measure that by our well, well, no, but listen, listen, as a Christian, I've always been under the impression that it was the role of the church to bring people into the acceptance of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it, not to preach the failed social gospel of cultural Marxism. And I reject the term segregationist. I reject the term separatist. I'm a man who is proud of his ethnicity. Is Mr. Martin a uh, black separatist because he's proud of his race? Bill Graham was the first to say that the churches are separated on Sundays between blacks and whites. Well, white Americans need to understand that things are not going to change until they get over this false guilt that they have about the condition or concerning the conditions of black folks. They're going to have to get over the fear. You're saying we white people feel tremendous guilt. Right, and that's what's guilt. hanging not, us up on fostering better relationships between blacks and whites. It's not your fault. No, so whites have to get over their fear. Whites must get over that fear and start standing up and defending Paul, themselves. Paul, here's what has to happen. Things would change. Okay, that's why James. Personal insult okay, final word. Is, the personal insult is the last recourse in an exhausted mind. Only European Americans are called racist for wanting to look after their cultural interests. Oh, it's so hard to cut off a reverend, but I have to. Someone's got to pay for this. Are you sure he's a reverend? Check the papers. Yeah, he is. Sure? All know. right, Check we'll be right back. Thank you, team. <laughs> See, that's all Roland Martin had in his arsenal. So I say, as a Christian, he says, as a segregationist Christian. Yeah, yes, I am a segregationist. You know, I don't, I don't apologize and for unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, uh, for him, so is he. You know, if he were honest, <laughs> he would admit that he segregates ferociously, much more so and much more self-consciously than James or Jesse. And, and then they, she, Paula Zahn referred to Jesse as uh, properly as Reverend Peterson and. Uh, 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 Blowfish, Reverend uh, Roland Martin, the Blowfish, uh, said, "Are you sure he's a Reverend? Check his paper. Yeah, that's all he's got. That's all he's got." Uh, but yes, I don't apologize well, for what being he's a got now. Is, is there anything? He's got a multi-million-dollar contract with CNN to this day, and you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it shows your, you know, popularity. Uh, it shows you where where the establishment is uh, placing it. Well, place. she mentioned that they ran a live poll and that 40% of the CNN audience at the time, and that was in 2007, 40% of the CNN audience, I think she said 37% said, uh, you know, segregation's okay. Uh, now it's, you know, it, with the, it, within the Republican voting base, it's, you know, 80, 90%, you know, would much say that. more but, polarized and quite frankly, you know, that's, let, let's do this. Let these people show their ass. That's what the, that's what's happening with the left. They are showing their ass and people are being turned off by it, and in particular, black people and Hispanic people, they, know that they do not buy sexual depravity as being a civil right, which is the position of the white left now. Yeah, so, I mean, this whole thing is done. I think we have won the debate within the Republican base anyway. Well, within the Republican base, I mean, this is, this is already all over. I mean, so much has changed since 2007 when that conversation was ongoing on primetime cnn and uh, honored to have played a part in it on behalf of our people you know not backing down 26 years old not backing down on national television i'm proud of that i'm more proud of it now than i was then uh, i i really am re-listening to that for the first time in years and years and years tonight as um uh, 
That's what we've been doing, folks. That's what we do here, right, Keith? I mean, absolutely. And people take notice. And I tell you what, I really want to know who did, who your hairdresser was back then. I, you know what they have? They you know, they did have. I, I, I they put a spit shine on. There your was eye. a. Uh, I looked. If you can find that on YouTube, I looked really good back then. You did. You know, I look really good now, but I really, really look good then. And well, I used to I, joke I think, with James that they used him because they wanted to have a skinhead. But let me tell you, well, it, I, that, I mean, you you were you were shiny, boy. <laughs> You're looking good. You can find that on YouTube. There was a 20-something-year-old producer who was the one who contacted me to come on. Uh-huh. And she was the one who kept having me on. I think I must have turned her on. <laughs> <laughs> I think she might have liked me a little bit, but, I, you know. Wherever she is now, and I remember her name, but who knows. But that was a fun time, and I hope you enjoyed that, ladies and gentlemen. And She's probably been I, fired like half, <laughs> uh, like three-quarters of the staff of CNN from those days. Well, as I said, they pre-interviewed you. You know, For that, they pre-interviewed you. So they wanted to know what you were going to say to certain questions before they brought you on. They didn't just bring you on, and then you, you go on there and you, you say whatever you want to say, and they're caught unawares. Like no, Dave Chappelle on I, SNL. Yeah, no, no, no. Day. They had a pre-interview with me, and this young producerette pre-interviewed me, and she said, yep, you're what we're looking for. <laughs> Which was, I guess, as I joked in my countercurrents talk this week, uh, or excuse me, we posted it actually this week on the website. It, it was from uh, back in October. Uh, but uh, they just posted it at Countercurrents last week, and we reposted it at thepoliticalcessible.org this week. I said, you know, CNN was looking for, and I said this jokingly, the most racist guy they get away with having because I had those AM radio credentials. Uh, but in any event, we reached a lot of people, you know, you back did. then. And, and, uh, uh, we're still frankly, we're still here. A lot of those people aren't still there. But that's right. Still we here. won. They lost. How about Jesse Lee Peterson, though? we got to say something very quickly well, about Jesse. Jesse Lee is great, man. I mean, he If is... every white man thought like Jesse Lee Peterson, where would we be? Well, so many more think like him but don't have the courage to speak like him. We'll give you the courage. Now, you said an apology is owed to our producer, Liz, who had the right clip all along, but I was blowing it. I didn't think Paula Zahn introduced us every single segment, but I forgot. And well, so Liz you was right. You <laughs> underestimated a young woman again. So yeah, that's, that's right. No, that's right. No, she knew what she was well, doing. Everybody here at Liberty News Radio is just a it's a crack team. It's a, it's a fantastic team. But we've moved so far beyond 2007. I mean, this is a big article this week. Peter Brimelo. Our good friend Peter and I were texting about this this week, how, how far the Overton window has shifted. We reposted a Brad Griffin column at thepoliticalcesspool.org this week. Peter Brimlow, you know, rubbing shoulders this week in New York at a black tie gala uh, uh, with New York uh, Young Republicans. Marjorie gala. Taylor Greene, Donald Trump Jr., Steve Bannon, they're taking selfies. I mean, the Republican base is where we are. They caught up to where I was in 2007. That's where the Republican base is now, and not just the base. Read that article. Very, very encouraging. We'll be back. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, the Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. 
check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44, gave the left evil, spiritual power, the more they use the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present day end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem. Revelation that's a Christmas song but it is can you tell us exactly <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what it is there's another song that you probably meant to play where he says uh, the Baron that's shot right. him down and that was in when the Baron shouted out Merry Christmas my friend that's uh, the yeah. one I meant to play how was that not the one if there's two of them like that I had three all together <laughs> they had, only had one hit song I blew that, it I'm blowing it tonight that's that, the one I meant to play you need to, to get Liz on the job yeah, that's right Liz <laughs> find, the, find the right the one Snoopy versus Red Baron Christmas song Liz please uh, but in any event, that's the one I wanted to play. Hey, I got to tell you something from the Edwards family uh, week. It's been a busy week. Okay, so my wife's birthday was yesterday. Hallelujah. I was in the ER this week. No. You don't believe it. I was. Yes, I, w I had to have a CAT scan on my back. Um, but thankfully, it's not a tumor. It's not kidney failure. I've just got a muscle tear. Um, anyway, for all this heavy lifting carrying you for all these years, Steve. Oh, yeah, right. I know that's, that's, that's been a job. That is true. I was at the ER a couple I mean, of days every ago. Every year, every year, too. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, brother. And my son had a basketball game today. Okay, listen to this. My son had a basketball game. And this is his first year playing basketball, his second game. And he played on the very same court where I played when I played for Briarcrest, which was, you know, school ball. And it was something to be back in there. Did he dunk? No, no, no. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't dunk. But my dad uh, was the coach of my team, and we were in the same gym. Boy, that was something, man, I'll tell you. Uh, but also, I, I mentioned yesterday was my wife's birthday. Yesterday was also a very ominous day in, Amer in uh, world history. It was on December the 16th, 1944, that 200,000 German troops backed by 1,600 guns and 350 tanks launched Hitler's last-ditch Ardennes offensive. 89,000 Americans were casualties in the Battle of the Bulge. My father it... got two bronze stars in the Battle of the Bulge. How Did about you know that? that? Yeah. 
Was he fighting for the right side? I think so. <laughs> you know, no, I don't know. You know, it's now a question. Maybe the Germans were the right side. That's what Patton thought by the end of the war. That's he said, right. He said, we fought uh, on the wrong side. We should have joined with the fascists against the communists. We only uh, think like Patton. Make it, it was the single bloodiest U.S. campaign of World War II. Now, here's the truth, though. Joking aside, thinking about World War II is heartbreaking. And I posted this, and it got a lot of engagement on Twitter. Both sides, the Axis and the Allies, so clearly lost that war in catastrophic fashion. The very best and most fit of European mankind were decimated, and it created a vacuum that we still feel today, been filled by the weak, the timid, and the apologetic. And also, the big winner was world Jewry. What they got out of it was the nation of, uh, well, in World War I, they got the right to settle Palestine and become... Uh, uh, you know, the state of Israel, but they also, you know, won basically, you know, communism and being Jewish were almost synonymous during World War II. And they, you know, the Russians were the were big winners in it. Americans were big winners in it. Ironically, the biggest loser besides Germany and Italy in this war was Great Britain. It was ironic that they tried to fight the war so they could maintain their preeminence among European nations, but being involved in both World Wars I and World War II bled them out, and they became that manner by the sea, and it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt by the Suez Crisis in 1955. All right. Let's go to the mailbag very quickly. A lot of mail coming in. My goodness. So many Christmas cards. We're festooned with Christmas cards in red and green. If you read all that, you're going to be here all night. <laughs> well, they write these handwritten letters. And listen, folks, my God, we love you all. Uh, this comes from one of the gentlemen who supports us not just every quarter, but every month. This is a listener in Arizona. Hi, James and Keith. Your program just keeps getting better. The December 3rd program was especially memorable. Harry Cooper is indeed a national treasure. His stories about the German U-boat veterans were riveting. I played your second hour a second time just to listen to Harry. I'm joining Shark Hunters for access to all the historical biographies. I don't think I'll be able to afford one of the trips to historical World War II German sites. Harry said his purpose of bringing former enemies together uh, who have become friends was to prevent wars between white brothers. All of us couldn't agree more. Well, Jim uh, in Arizona, we couldn't agree with you more. The Jolly Boys of South Carolina. Paul and the Jolly Boys. Thanks for all you do, brother. Uh, Merry Christmas. Hope this helps. And he's talking about its contribution, which it does so much. This was one of the very first letters we got in. I saved this one. Greetings, James, Keith, and TPC crew. I know that your December fundraising drive is starting, so here's my early this was the first guy to donate he sent it in in november even my early voting mail-in ballot in support of your program supporting tpc is so much more fun than the early other kind of voting because we get to do this four times a year and, and we win honest. and we win every time and that comes from a listener supporter in st louis missouri i hope he wasn't the one that went into the kfc <laughs> no, no, i wonder kidding. what would happen if they'd run out of chicken i'm just kidding i'm just kidding uh, this is, uh, well, this is from a listener in Oak Grove, Kentucky, praying for you and TPC and Keith Alexander. Please pray for me as well. Well, God bless you, brother. We certainly will. Uh, that's the, you know, kind of audience we've got. I want to remind it's a family, really, it really talk about that for a second, Keith. Yeah, we really have a family. We feel like a family. It's just, uh, you know, we're pro Southern, pro white, pro Christian. 
And that apparently resonates. Well, that was the one thing that Roland Martin took issue with me on in that CNN clip. He said that uh, you can't be a Christian and be a segregationist. We didn't play everything. We cherry-picked it. We didn't play the other side. You hear that every time you tune into any other broadcast. Uh, talk about that well, look, for 30 seconds. Segregation, integration, racism, that has nothing to do with being a Christian. None of these concepts existed when the Bible was written. This is just silliness on the part of the left. trying to, And unfortunately, it's silliness that has basically brainwashed large swaths of Americans, and particularly so-called Christians. You know, whenever you hear what your pastor say that racism is a sin, you need to move to another church because you are supporting an apostate church. There's no such thing. Basically, racism was an invention of a Jewish-German pedophile uh, homosexual in a book he wrote by that name in 1935 to vilify defenders of the old order. Here's a handwritten letter, how precious, how much it means to us, all of you, ladies and gentlemen, that listen and donate. This is from a listener in California, one of our international listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Dear James and everyone at TVC, wow, that's a super good news about Steve King. I think a lot of his coming out had to do with the great reputation you and others at TPC have built up over the years. And now you're going to have other people on of that caliber. That's great. Ronald Reagan also went to Bitburg German Military Cemetery. I really respected him for that. There's an old movie, The Enemy Below, where Robert Mitchum rescues a German U-boat captain who was going down with his ship. Heart-wrenching. Talk about K-Mac's white implicitness. Went to Hildale, Utah, Colorado City, Arizona a while back to get out of town. Can't recall seeing so many pregnant white women and white children at the local marketplace. Makes you feel good to see that. That comes from listener Mark in California. Also this one. How about this? This comes from Mike in Ohio. Dear James, it's amazing to see how certain interests come together over our lives. I'm a veteran of the United States Navy Submarine Service myself having served on the first boomer boat and some of the last diesel boats. I am also familiar with shark hunters, but had lost touch with them. So I could not pass up on your Christmas fundraising incentive. My best to you and yours. Let's hope uh, that we are turning the tide. So listen, this is a, you know, this is what we're talking about. This is our Christmas incentive. You donate a hundred dollars or more and you're going to get not just Harry Cooper's book. You boat. Tales from the men of the U-boat Waffa, that written by the German submarine sailors themselves for Harry Cooper. He compiled their stories into one chapter after another. You'll get the book, but you're also going to get signed photo cards of these German World War II veterans. It's like baseball cards, only <laughs> only you want to have them. Uh, I mean, this is this is incredible. Listen, I mean, here's one, and it's not just U-boat people. There's there's Luftwaffe people too. This is a. Uh, uh, Gerhard Krems, uh, a, a bomber pilot, he uh, succeeded to make more than 100 bombing missions. You can get uh, his signature. You're going to get uh, one picture. Uh, yes, that's right. His picture, his signature. Uh, Carl Heinz Hartmann served many years in the Kriegsmarine, saw much combat action amongst the U-boats, was one of the lucky few who survived the war. Uh, how about um, Heinz Rentz? who was a petty officer aboard U-511 when they fired rockets underwater. 
the first submarine to fire rockets. I mean, there's just so many different stories like this. Harry didn't give me 100 signed photos of the same guy. It's an assortment. And he gave me about four or five, about 20 different uh, veterans uh, from all throughout the German military. Uh, this is uh, Gunther Holdorf, who was aboard a U-boat which struck a mine and sank in 1943. And we talked to Harry about that. I thought if you were in a submarine and you sunk, that was it. But sunk. They could sink several times and still continue to fight. Well, $100 or more, you're going to get the book. You're going to get a signed photo from one of these veterans. And I can't go up to heaven and make them stop playing their harp and come back down and sign more autographs. A lot of these people, almost all of them, are, have already received their eternal reward. $100 or more, you got to mail it in. We can't accept online contributions anymore. P.O. Box 34336, Bartlett, Tennessee, 38184. P.O. Box 34336, Bartlett, Tennessee, 38184. $100 or more to the political cesspool, and you're going to get the book and one of these signed photos from one of these uh, legends of world military history. Let's play the right song before we go to the third hour. Here it is now in honor of these folks. There it is. Play it. The Baron had Snoopy dead in his sights. He reached for the trigger to pull it up tight. Why he didn't shoot? Well, we'll never know. Or was it the bells from the village below? Christmas bells, those Christmas bells. the new product at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888 you're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Katie Armour raised the standard. Finally, AR-500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight, feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at katiearmor.com, c-a-t-i-armor.com. Come and take it.
You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. favorite Christmas carol right there. That is a beautiful rendition of that uh, very beautiful song. Now, joining us as our featured and only guest of the program tonight is Kyle Rogers, our good dear friend, our old friend. You can find him as Renaissance Horizon on YouTube at the YouTube YouTube channel Renaissance Horizon. He's also a writer for national-conservative.com, a project of the Conservative Citizens Foundation. Joining us from South Carolina tonight. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm not bad. It's good to be back on the show again. Always good to talk to you. Kyle goes back how many years, Keith? As far back as we can go. Yeah, really. You know, he was a stalwart with the Council of Conservative Citizens. He was the uh, tech guy at the Council of Conservative Citizens and did an excellent job. Oh, he he certainly did. I mean, at that time, back in those years... That website was the place to be for people who thought like us. Who, and by that, I mean thought sensibly and rationally. And there were boys in the wilderness back then. Yeah, I mean, Kyle's a great guy. Known him forever. He was on with us uh, as recently as just last month uh, when he and Linda Baum and others joined us uh, live uh, with live updates from the American Renaissance Conference. But tonight, Kyle is joining us in his official capacity. Talk about what's going on at Twitter. Kyle, I know you've been following it. I know you've been documenting it, and it's all over the news. What is going on at Twitter? What's the story this week? Well, give us a skinny. Interestingly enough, the last time I was talking to you, I had uh, spoken to Laura Loomer in person at the American Renaissance Conference. And I said to her, are you optimistic that your account will be unbanned on Twitter. And she was very adamant that she did not believe it would be. 
Now, I was always uh, cautiously optimistic about Musk buying Twitter. Uh, I had more faith that, that she would be unbanned than she did, and she was actually unbanned a few days ago. Um, and it was really uh, the day, the very, I think it was the very next day after um, I had talked to you on your show that Musk suddenly posts this poll saying, should I just mass unban everyone and have a general amnesty? And it passed. And then he said, okay, next week everyone's going to be unbanned. Well, what actually happened is a it's it's been a very slow trickle. And at some points it hasn't looked like much was going on at, at all. Uh, yesterday was a huge day, and I, I made a list of the top 44 accounts that were unbanned, and it's on AmericaFirst.com, also National-Conservative.com. And what happened yesterday was you had huge numbers of people uh, who were banned for conservative speech, a lot of big names, and huge numbers of people that were banned for posting information about COVID-19 treatments. And some of these are actually medical doctors. And of like of the top 44 unbanned, 13 have legacy blue check marks even. And if you look at them, uh, on previous days, it was all over the map as far as, you know, you, you'd see people unbanned from like 2000 and they were banned in 2017, people that were banned four months ago, you know, being unbanned at the same time. Yesterday, this, this was specifically targeted at uh, people who were banned between November of 2020 and like the first week of February in, in 2021. So this was the first time that I've actually seen like a a tight focus on a uh, certain uh, time spot or you know a, a certain date range. Now there's others. There's some others mixed in there um, that were banned at other times before or after that. But but it was mostly focused in this one date range. Now the way I'm monitoring this, there's a guy in Germany that wrote a program that detects, that uh, can tell when an account is, comes back online, except they can't tell the difference if the account has been banned for years or if they were under a 12-hour ban. And so he creates this list, and then you have to go into it and look at each individual person to see who it is and whether or not it was a, an account that was really banned or just an account that had been suspended for 12 hours. And of the accounts that have been banned, on a lot of days, you know, I'll look at, at you know, a bunch of the biggest ones, and it's stuff like celebrity fan pages. Uh, I've seen, like, some really big Twitter accounts that were like Hannah Montana fan page, Lady Gaga fan page, some MMA news fan page, Pokemon fan page, and some of these have hundreds of thousands of followers, and they've been banned for years. 
Why they were banned, I don't know. I can only guess that it must have been for copyright reasons, like they were posting uh, Hannah Montana videos and the record label complained, but I don't know for sure. The other stuff I see, I've seen for the past several weeks over and over is like really spammy, e-girl, like softcore porn type accounts that had huge followings and just stuff that's real, real spammy in general. Um, where, you know, it's an account that's been banned for years and it's got a huge following, but it's just, it's just tweeting stock photographs and advertisements. This, and, and so most, most of this stuff is, is not what we're interested in. It, it's not all the conservative accounts that have been mass banned over the years. And so, like I said, really yesterday is the first day that looks like there was, that the focus was all on these, you know, conservatives and the, the COVID-19 so-called misinformation bans. Uh, so hopefully it, it continues like that now and, and we start seeing, you know, thousands of more conservative accounts unbanned over the next few days. But, uh, all right, well- yeah, hold on right there, Kyle. We're going to get more from you, and we're going to talk about some of the accounts that are coming back online, some of the accounts that are now being, I don't want to say banned, but at least uh, suspended for a few days, and what's going on, why Twitter's in the news this week, and uh, what we stand to gain from it all, and what our position on all of it is. Next, Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, The Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9:6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, Do you hear what I hear? 
Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song High above the tree With a voice as big as the sea With a voice as big as the sea that's right. That's what. That's what it's all about this time of year, ladies and gentlemen. Is it not, Keith Alexander? Yeah, nineteen fifties of. We're there with you spiritually. <laughs> Back with Kyle Rogers now. So you know, Kyle, since Elon Musk took over Twitter, it's been a very interesting path because at first right. everybody was very hopeful and then it sort of looked like he was going to play ball with the ADL and uh, and then all of a sudden Yoel Roth who was the Twitter safety and whatever guru for the previous regime was all of a sudden out and then even after Elon Musk attended like an ADL seminar they went after his advertisers and then it seemed like hey well, hell he, he, what, what, he spoke with the the ADL, he had this uh, video conference with eight people, and he was billing them as, like, advocates of a civil society, and that they were going to be the basis for some kind of board that would make the rules, that would govern how people can come back and what people would be banned for. And two of them were ADL leaders. Se seven out of eight were from the far left, and one of them was a neocon from the uh, uh, George Bush's group. Uh, none of them were a white Christian of, of, out of all eight. Um, and uh, it's all oh, so about the um, what, what happened the other day. Now, the media and people in general they mix up suspended with banned. And so people keep referring to everything as, as a ban. Well, the suspensions on Twitter, I guess, range from uh, 12 hours to three months. It's, it's mostly 12-hour suspensions that people get, I think. But what happened was uh, Twitter always had these really strict rules about doxing, but they were never actually enforced except for very specific occasions when it was enforced against people on the right and, you know, to censor a story or something. And there's this guy is, that tweets out the real-time location of Elon Musk's private jet. And, and publicly, everyone's <laughs> known that Elon Musk family. has hated this account for years. And uh, when Musk first... Uh, acquired Twitter, he said, just to show you how committed I am to freedom of speech, I'm going to let this, this account stay, even though I hate it. Well, Musk claims that his, his jet landed in Los Angeles. He wasn't on board, but his one-year-old son was on board. And when the people in the jet came out and got into a car and drove away, they were followed by a masked man and then he jumped on the hood of their car and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Musk has posted pictures of the guy and his uh, driver's license or his uh, license plate, although it's a dealer temporary tag, although it should be very easy for the police to find out who he is. That was used by Musk as an excuse 
to tighten the rules, and he said, okay, no more real-time doxing at all. You can only report uh, someone's location on a delay. And so he, he gave the Elon Jet account a seven-day suspension. So then Keith Olbermann and I gotta talk a bunch about of I, other I, I, uh, lefties in the media. Mention Keith Olbermann, and then as soon as you finish, i got to tell you a story about Keith Olbermann. You've probably already seen it, Kyle, but go ahead. Well, they, they started tweeting stuff about the private jet over and over. Basically, it was it was a, you know the same thing that uh, Kathy Griffin, I think her name is, was temporarily suspended for. They were they were blatantly violating the rule on purpose to try to be cute and funny, and so they were all suspended. And then the media went completely ballistic. There's even a Wikipedia page now called the Thursday Night Massacre. That they're just laying. I mean, this is this is this is the day that democracy died, that freedom of speech ended on Twitter, and then all of a sudden, uh, CNN went from denouncing Musk for having too much free speech to not having enough free speech. Well, they've already been unsuspended. They they had they they got they got a one day suspension, and you have this nationwide temper tantrum on the national news over it. <laughs> but, yeah, but no, yeah, that's right. I mean, that, that, that was, it was very big news that these so-called journalists, Stephen King, all of the you know, celebrities left yeah, on you, Twitter. You would have thought they'd been dropped into the black hole of Calcutta the way that Stephen, You better have a very good reason for this. Because, you know, this is the thing about free speech. I don't want to be a hypocrite like the left is. The left says, oh, free speech, you can't ban the journalists so-called journalists i mean journalists right. by the way are nothing but mouthpieces for the regime they are not journalists right. they are water boys for the narrative they 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 have water no carries. interest in the who what where when and why of a story they are not journalists they are propagandists that's exactly right now so okay. with that being said and that being established they are crying for freedom of speech well they had no care for the freedom of speech and when it was our people who were being banned from Twitter, a lot of the people who Elon Musk is now bringing back, and then when they get slapped with even a temporary ban or suspension, they start to cry about it. Now, I am very consistent on the issue of freedom of speech. Here is my theory on that. I This is my principle. Is it good for our people? You have conservatives who say, well, I stand on the freedom of speech, and even if it doesn't benefit our people or my people or my family, I'm going to stand on my principle, come what may. Well, I, you know, I have a different principle. My principle the left is, has no principles. Well, that, that, they have no principles, but the conservatives have that principle. My principle is this. Is it good for our people? So with regard to the freedom of speech, if our people are being banned, I'm for freedom of speech because it is in our interest that we have it. If the left is being banned, I am for censorship because it is in our benefit. It is to our credit. Because they are for banning us well but don't you know not just that because everything that they advocate for is either partisan i I don't even care about that i mean everything they advocate for is degenerate it is against what a healthy society needs to survive and to thrive so i am for censorship if they're the ones being punished but i'm against censorship if we are being punished so where's the consistency the consistency the consistency is is it good for our people? That's my principle. 
It's not good if we're banned. It is good if they're banned. I have no problem with ironclad censorship of the left. That is my principle. Now, with regards well, to that, that's evolved over time because that's the position they've always taken to us. Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, they they no, they were for it for us, but they're not for it for them. Right. But, but they're saying, saying is they're not principled like. But I'm saying it honestly. I'm saying I I am for what's best for our people. They're saying. They, they, they take both that, sides. That, yeah, they're they, hypocrites. They take they, both sides. They try sides to say that they're being principled and that they uh, yeah, would not uh, anyway stifle us. Well, I got to say one thing about Keith. I got to say one thing about Keith Olbermann very quickly, Kyle, uh, and that is uh, Keith Olbermann. We all know Keith Olbermann. He used to be on ESPN. Then he had a show. Now he has like a podcast. But um, anyway, he used to be on. He used to be on ESPN. It, then it was kicked off of MSNBC. You know how bad you got to be to he be was, kicked he off was of in MSNBC. A scandal on MSNBC. They suspended him, and then they just didn't renew his contract. Well, uh, when he had a show on MSNBC, he always ended his show with the worst person in the world. He had a segment, the worst person in the world. That's who right. he was. One night it was me. One night I was the worst person in the world on Keith Olbermann's show. So he wasn't very nice to me, but you know what? I, I got to tell you another story. I got to tell you another story. I got to write an autobiography one day. I mean, this show alone, uh, the Gary, uh, the um, George Wallace Jr., the uh, the CNN. I mean, we got a lot of stories. Drew Lackey. Well, I ran, Drew Lackey. I ran in. By the way, Drew Lackey, we met at a Council of Conservative Citizens conference, which I know Kyle was at. Right. Uh, anyway, I ran into Keith Olbermann's ex one day, his ex-girlfriend. How he ever got Well, he Katie used to tour. use his show to attack her on a regular basis. Well, how did he ever get little Katie? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, she looks... She's a cutie pie. Yeah, I mean, so this was... You know, you ever remember Donald Trump? I, I think, you know, this interview that she did with Donald Trump when he first announced, I think everybody's probably seen, and, and she was the beat reporter for MSNBC during Trump's presidential campaign in 2016. He called her little Katie. Let me tell you, he wasn't lying. She's little. I ran into her. We talked at uh, one of the campaign events that I was credentialed at, and... And we talked. I got a picture of it up on Twitter, and she's about half my size, and we talked for a while. I said, you know what? Let's get a picture together. We took the picture. She took the phone from my hand. Let me make sure I look good in this picture. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we top got of her head comes about to your chin. <laughs> That's right. You can find it at James Edwards TPC. She was a lot nicer to me than Keith Oberman was. We're going to carry Kyle Rogers over for one more segment to talk about what's going on at Twitter. Little Katie, i, I got to find out if she's still on Twitter. We'll be right back. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jerry Barmash. It may not be a white Christmas, but more snow is blanketing the Northeast. Parts of New England are expecting the heavy snowfall. It's the same weather system that hit several communities in the southern USA with deadly tornadoes and power outages earlier this week. Two former Uvalde officials are facing increased scrutiny over their actions in response to the Texas school shooting in May. Law enforcement officials told CNN that the Texas Department of Public Safety is upset with the choices of former Uvalde School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo and former Uvalde Police Lieutenant Mariano Pargas at Robb Elementary School. The scrutiny comes from hours of police body camera footage being reviewed, as well as interviews with hundreds of law enforcement officials and witnesses. A man plunged to his death from the top floor of a building in Times Square, 
The New York Post reports it was not immediately clear whether the man jumped or fell in the Saturday morning incident. My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell is back on Twitter. His account was suspended for nearly two years over his unfounded claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election and misinformation regarding the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Lindell, in his return tweet on Friday, said, quote, I'm back. Travel delays are worsening this weekend before Christmas. FlightAware reports nearly 3,800 delays and over 180 cancellations within, into, or out of the U.S. as of Saturday afternoon. The report seeing the most delays is Chicago's O'Hare International. Croatia scored a 2-1 win over Morocco to end their World Cup run today with a third-place finish. That sets the stage for Sunday's championship match between Argentina and France. This is USA News. My Pillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more, all with the biggest discount. Ever. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2023, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use promo code USA or call 800-951-8175 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king, Do you know what I know? In your palace, poor mighty king, Do you know what I know? A child, a child, shivers in the cold, Let us bring him silver and gold. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's who we are celebrating this uh, December, this year, this eternity, this uh, lifetime. It's Not Johnny Masses, but Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Keith. That's right. Well, in any event, we got to go back (laughs) to Kyle Rogers. We're talking about what's going on at Twitter, but I got to say one thing. Keith, we're going to commercial break. Yeah, go ahead. The, the commercial break mentioned one of the people unbanned yesterday, Mike Liddell. I never listened to the commercial, so what did it say? <laughs> well, it was like the, it, it was like news break. Mike Lindell is back on Twitter. He was unbanned. Well, that uh, was he got banned for selling too many good pillows, right? I know, Keith, you got a. Well, got the thing is, I I used to laugh at him, but he is really. I mean, the only guy I know that is on like a bulldog with a bloody <laughs> bone about the election fraud. All right. Hey, well, tell us about. I gotta, I gotta go back to Kyle about this. Kyle, you, uh, man, I love you. I, I, I've always look. You've been around forever. I, I, we go back. The, Kyle goes back to the good old days. Anytime I talk to Kyle, my, down my, in Jackson, Mississippi, when yeah, you first we've saw been him. everywhere. I mean, I don't know. I've been with, well, and, been uh, with Kyle and, in Nashville and uh, uh, John A's. You know, we party at John. Me and Kyle have had a lot of parties together. But uh, I want you to John tell me. John A's is under new management. Uh, that's not probably a not a good thing. Place. 
pot. You know, if we keep right. name dropping celebrities here and the people we've rubbed shoulders with, uh, we're going to get a lot of people in trouble. But uh, we're not going to tell them about Old Crow Medicine Show coming in and doing the live uh, concert for us or anything like that. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kyle, but, Kyle uh, I didn't. I, now, now, all right, tell the story. Tell um, the story real quick. Tell the story real quick. I think I told this last time I, I talked to you. Uh, there was these two girls. It, it was either, I think it was a CFCC national conference, and uh, Old Crow Medicine Show was performing at the Grand Old Opry, and these two girls bought tickets to go see it. I told them, well, you shouldn't have wasted your money on the tickets because they're going to play for free at John A's later tonight. Well, later that night, a bunch of us were all sitting at the main table, the two girls walk in after having left the Grand Old Opry, and the members of Old Crow Medicine Show walk in right behind them and then take the stage and play three songs. <laughs> a- including their iconic hit, Wagon Wheel, which has been covered by Darius Rucker. And Anyway, but uh, and they were nice. I remember I didn't know who they were at the time, but I remember talking to them. Anyway, I, I, Kyle, you got to tell me the story because I didn't know the story. I and mean, then we got to get back to Twitter. We got business uh, must intrude. But so we were talking before the last break. Keith Olbermann was once in a relationship with little Katie Turr, who was Trump's beat reporter with MSNBC. And I just made mention of the fact that uh, well, we did he have another girlfriend talk- who became like a conservative pundit? Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, I mean Keith Olbermann would turn any girl. Maybe it wasn't Katie, right. but there was some. There was some <laughs> had, had average that he was famous for devoting a lot of time on his show to attacking when he was on it. Well, wait, was he attacking? That's what I wanted to ask you. Was he attacking little Katie on the show? Either her or see. I thought the it, it was an ex girlfriend. I thought that she had become like a conservative pundit. Uh, she's still there. I think I think she's still with NBC, so she can't be too conservative. I just looked in the last break yeah. at her Twitter, and she hasn't tweeted since October, so I don't know what's going on there. But she was little. Keith, how little is she? You're looking at this picture right now. She, uh, top of her head is about at your chin. Right? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, anyway. Uh, nice girl. Anyway, but uh, so the thing with um, – Elon Musk and Twitter, though, is I think, you know, Kyle, it has to be trending in the right direction. He's making all of the wrong people upset. He's uh, pleasing all of the right people. I don't even know if he can run for president uh, being, uh, is he native South African? But he is Obama. He didn't hold Obama back. (laughs) He didn't hold Obama back. Uh, What's going on here, though? I mean, overall, Kyle, would you say good things are happening at Twitter? Let's cut to the chase here. We well, have too Twitter much has certainly fun with our gotten, friends. I did not use Twitter for years. And I started a new account when Musk bought it. And Twitter is definitely more fun than probably it, 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 at least since 2015 when Trump announced his, his presidential run. Now, uh, Musk, the way Musk talks and acts on Twitter to me, remind, is just like Donald Trump. Uh, he's completely unscripted. He's completely unpredictable. He'll say stuff that contradict, you know, things he said last week. Uh, it's, he, he's a wild card. You never know what he's going to say from, from day to day. He's not following the script. It's just whatever he feels like on that day. And so one day... 
he's he's kissing the butt of Jonathan Greenblatt, and a few days later, he's trashing the guy and mocking him on Twitter. And the thing wouldn't know whether you're kissing his butt or kissing his head. They both look the same. (laughs) Well, Musk defended Yoel Roth and said he wanted Roth to keep his job. And then a few days later, Roth resigns and starts grandstanding before the the media attacking Musk. So now Musk is retaliating and posting, you know, all this this scandalous stuff that uh, Roth has written before about anonymous gay sex and all this stuff. And uh, you have all these leftists (laughs) coming unhinged. Um, But, yeah, so so Musk, Musk... He'll, he'll, and see, people, people on the right were, were sitting here getting angry because Musk defended Roth and said he wanted Roth to keep his job, and so you had all this, this ring and, and grumbling, and now they're all celebrating because, you know, Musk publicly humiliated the guy. <laughs> Hang around long enough uh, and he'll say something you can support. Right, right. So, like I said, he's a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get from day to day. Now, the one thing that the the media has not talked about, no one's talked about, uh, the big winner in all this so far is all the working-class Americans who had Twitter stock in their retirement fund or their pension or in their uh, you know personal brokerage account. And of course, all the, the NASDAQ ETFs and all the tech ETFs, all have Twitter. Twitter is the only stock I've ever made a YouTube video about before. It was a few years back, and I said that I believe Twitter was a very poorly run company, a very unprofitable company, and that the stock was total garbage, and all these people are going to lose a bunch of money. Well, that was before for, Musk. for anyone who had Twitter stock, must save the day for them, and they, they made money off it. So all these and and it's they better have been there was to not Utah, a lot like of huge shareholders. I mean, most of this stock is all in people's retirement accounts and pensions all over the world, or all over America, plus some around the world. But so the the big winner so far is is just average Americans who have Twitter, who had Twitter stock in the retirement fund. I'd say is as far as how this is going to play out, we don't really know. Hopefully. I mean, it could play out very well because Musk keeps teasing about launching his own alternative to YouTube and his own alternative to PayPal, which would be very nice. And keep in mind, Elon Musk is one of the original founders of PayPal. And so he's, he's jumped on the anti-PayPal bandwagon now, trashing him, and keeps, keeps teasing that he's going to release a new... Um, he's, he's talk, his, his original company, after he sold uh, Zip News or whatever it was, or Zip Reader, is he launched a, uh, an, an online banking company called X.com. And then it merged with Peter Thiel's Cofinity. They launched PayPal. PayPal gave him like a billion dollars for it or something. And then uh, Musk wrecked his uh, $1 million car on the way to the meeting with Peter Thiel in it. They could have both been killed. <laughs> uh, 
and and but yeah, he was he was one of the original founders of, of PayPal, and so now he's talking about having something called X App, which would combine Twitter with online banking and a YouTube copycat, all in one cell phone app. Uh, so that could be very nice for, you know, bringing back free speech on the Internet for our people. Overall, is it a positive, a negative, a draw? I mean, it's got to be a positive, right? I mean, Elon Musk. Well, that's a positive so far. I mean, that's all I, can, all I can say is it's been a positive so far. And yesterday was, was very positive because yesterday we finally saw a clear sign that the right people are being amnestied. Um, or are in, included in the amnesty. Uh, but, you know, like I said, we'll just have to see. Kyle, hang on. You, you've hung on this long this hour. Hang on one more second. Let's make it a full 60 minutes with Kyle Rogers. Stay tuned. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com.
No king but who, Keith? Uh, <laughs> but Christ. That's exactly right. Jesus is the answer, but that's right, Christ. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the show. Last segment. What a fun show tonight with Kyle Rogers. You know, I sent out an email. We do the email blast, previewing every show to the email list. <laughs> I sent out an email to the list today saying tonight's show would, uh, our penultimate broadcast of 2022 would feature you and I, Keith, sharing good tidings and great joy as we look back on the year that was at TPC, a year in review show. The whole show was going to be a year in review. What have we not done? Hadn't done that. <laughs> at all, not even for a minute. Uh, because we uh, we looked at the news yeah, and we yeah. saw that Kanye West had uh, called Rosa Parks a plant, and then we remembered uh, the KFC shooting where the guy got blasted for not having corn, and Jesse Lee Peterson retweeted, and that reminded me of the CNN experience. It's amazing how much found. truth Ye is talking now. You know? <laughs> Uh, that's a whole nother can of corn, as it as it were. But hey, don't say that in case of KFC. <laughs> let's go before we go back to Kyle. Let's do a two minute year in review. We're going to do the whole show on it. Let's do two minutes. Can we condense it into that? We opened up uh, this year with Nick Griffin, the former member of European Parliament. That was January the first of this year. That happened to be a Saturday, January first. Was this a leap year or something? Because January the 1st is a Saturday again this year. I don't know what's going on with that. But Ramsey Paul, our good friend Brad Griffin, Sam Bushman here at the network, uh, Patrick Dino Ryan, all on the show uh, that first broadcast of the year. From there we went to Mark Weber, then Peter Brimelow, January 8th and the 15th. And then we get into the year. We had a stop at uh, South Carolina to wrap up the month of January. All during the month of February, we had the Valentine's Day show, the ladies' night show on February the 12th, our last show before Valentine's Day. All of our lady friends were on with us. And then it seemed as though Paul Fromm was with us every night in February, except for the ladies' night show because Paul's all man, and you know that. Absolutely. But uh, you had the Canadian trucker strike in February, so Paul was with us every month, uh, every week in the month of February to talk about that. Then we had the... the uh, March Around the World, where we feature only international guests. During the month of March on this program, we had Sasha Rossmuller from Germany. We're going to have Sasha back on soon to talk about all those Germans who got arrested for allegedly over trying to overthrow the government over there. He's going to be yeah, back and on then very about the people soon that are freezing over there to talk about that. And uh, Jim Dowson from uh, the UK, Andrew Fraser from Australia, Tom Sunik, Croatia, Adrian Davis. Uh, from London, Simon Roche, South Africa, Charles Bosman, Russia, Liv Haida, Germany, Jonas Nielsen from Sweden, Nick Griffin, obviously, from the U.K., and then Remy Tremblay from Canada. Then you went into Confederate History Month. Just so many great guests over the years. Obviously, our program mainstays like Sam Dixon and I see a Paul Kersey appearance there. Tim Murdoch. Just great interviews all throughout the year. Kevin McDonald, Lauren Witzke. Uh, David Duke, uh, we had a 4th of July f a spectacular, as we always do. Then our annual summer remote broadcast from South Carolina. Great show. Paul Angel, I know you love the Barnes Review, Keith. A little apostate there in August. Obviously, Michael Hill throughout the year. He was with his Confederate History Month. Jason Kessler, uh, Greg Johnson, Jose Nino, one of our uh, debut guests this year. Great guy. And Warren Baylog, too. Sometimes. Yeah, Warren was on there. Uh, Bill Johnson, I see. I'm looking through the names. Harry Cooper. You know, Harry Cooper came back 
this year we hadn't had him uh, on in years. popular years. demand. And he was on a handful of times, obviously anchoring our Christmas fundraising incentive. I see Jason Kuna. I see Hendrick Palmgren. I see Virginia Abernathy. Brother Nathaniel. Uh, our 18th anniversary show just uh, back in uh, late October. Well, it's all there in the broadcast archives. Obviously, uh, Patrick Martin, another uh, first-time guest this year, as was former United States Representative Steve King, who we hit it off with so well, Lawrence Blanchard. A lot of first-time guests, a lot of mainstays. It's been a great year. I, I guess we can condense what would have been a three-hour uh, okay. show into this. A great year of great broadcasting and great programming. Uh, the old and the new blended together throughout the 12 months of the year here on your and Radio. then the cherry on top, that golden oldie, Kyle Rock. <laughs> That's absolutely right. I mean, you can't beat Kyle. I mean, all of the names. And we didn't name them all. We did not name them all uh, who have appeared this year. All of them were. I see Neil Kumar. Uh, you, you go back to Confederate History Month. I mean, obviously, Rebecca Dillingham, Kirk Lyons, Michael Gaddy. I don't want to forget anybody. I know I am. I mean, it's been you know, 51 out of 52 weeks. I mean, forgive me. How about this for a variety trio on April the 2nd? Jared Taylor, David Cole, and Michael Hill. That is a variety you'll only get here at TPC. But anyway, let's go back to Kyle Rogers uh, for the final segment of the night. Uh, Kyle, uh, it is all yours. Where are we going? What are we looking at? What do you got to say that we haven't said already? I mean, a lot going on at Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk. Uh, I, 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 hey, how about, in your opinion, Kyle, how has this year gone? And what do you want to see happen next year? We're coming up on that uh, sort of uh, intersection between what do you think will happen year in review year? and wishes for the coming year. Yeah, go ahead. Well, this, I mean, this year has been so crazy. Um I mean, everything's a wild card now. They're, they're, the government's trashing the economy. Uh, we got the, the conflict in Ukraine keeps getting bigger and bigger. I mean, it's really Good a point. wild card. Good point. Uh, I couldn't even – I wouldn't even start to make specific predictions at, at this point. Um, Lately, I have felt vindicated. I feel like all the crazy stuff I used to tell people in high school and college is now coming true. It just it just needed enough time. I mean, <laughs> look at this sudden what? rise of uh, the just this radical transgender thing, and now you got uh, Antifa attacking lesbians in Oakland who were protesting that a triple murderer was being put in a woman's prison. Two of the people he murdered were lesbians. <laughs> and you got, you got <laughs> I mean, Antifa funny, attacking but... these women. Yeah, is, yeah well, that's Antifa. Uh, What's going to happen with Trump? Oh, that, hey, that's a great question. Our, our prognosticator no of prognosticators. Yeah, I have no idea. Have hey, no you know, idea it's been brought up that he, he's had such a lackluster announcement that he's just running to avoid being thrown in prison, which, by the way, Sam Dixon thinks, by, I don't know if I mentioned Sam Dixon and talking to all the great guests. I mean, Sam Dixon is one of the top five all-stars of this program in terms of appearances netted. Sam Dixon, Gene Andrews, I see Gene. I don't know if I mentioned his name a moment ago of all the great guests who have been on this year. Sam thinks that uh, Trump will be in prison before he can run for office next year. It's possible. Mm, I mean, of course, the Democrats would like to put him in prison. I don't think they have. Well, you know, you've always heard as a lawyer that you can indict a ham sandwich. I think that in either New York courts or in D.C. courts, you can prove that you well, can convict a ham sandwich. Sam too. thinks it's going to happen in Georgia because that's where you have, I, I can't remember her name, Fanny Daniels or some 
black so, prosecutor, some black out, lady uh, prosecutor that's going to bring it to Trump in Georgia. Well, we'll see. But I mean, this is the thing, Kyle, is that I mean, Brad Griffin has documented it so well at Occidental Descent. How far the Republican base has come to meet with us, the things I were saying in uh, right. 2007, which would have been anathema in the Republican Party, are now basically just accepted by uh, the vast majority of the Republican voting base. Yeah, platform planks for the Texas Republican Party. So, yeah, I mean, the Texas Republican Party is now saying repeal the 1964-65 Civil Rights Act. Yeah, and, voting Rights Act of 65. Yeah, and, and put secession on the ballot. So that's how far I mean, they've come. And, and you were there, Kyle, when I mentioned that at the countercurrents uh, meeting not long ago. But... I mean, so where it goes in 2023 is anybody's guess. But, Kyle, with a couple of minutes remaining, my friend, uh, the last word is yours. And, by the way, plug all of your stuff. Plug uh, YouTube, plug nationalconservative.com and all of the stuff. If you're involved with it, it's something worth seeing, worth watching, worth reading. Okay. Well, yeah, everyone should check out my YouTube channel, Renaissance Horizon, on YouTube and the website national-conservative.com. Uh, what I was trying to say earlier is the ex-girlfriend that Keith Olbermann used to trash was Laura Ingram. Really? Okay. Okay. Although well, you know, Google she's a, she's a, as far as the looks department's concerned, she's a step down from Little Katie. But I, I, he was. Well, you know, it's interesting. Hit me. He also now trashes Katie on his podcast. Oh, on his but, podcast. But, well, nobody listens to that, but not that many people but watch the times, it. The times when I saw him on MSNBC trashing his ex-girlfriend, that was Laura Ingram. Well, you know, this is but the incestuous relationship of, uh, of uh, establishment liberals and conservatives. Donald Trump Jr., another person we interviewed on this program, along with... Well, all the people we mentioned tonight. Uh, please don't tell me he was a boyfriend of uh, a. <laughs> <laughs> no, but his current his current girlfriend, which was his mistress at the time he was married, Kimberly Gilfoy, was once the girlfriend of Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Oh so they're all God. just kind of sharing around. I mean, what's going on here? But well, Laura Ingram yeah, was with Keith. How, how did Keith Olbermann, this rank liberal? Troll. Joke. I mean, he's just grotesque and wimpish. He's and not a troll metaphorically. He's, he's a, a troll actually. Well, he's effeminate. I mean, how could he have? I guess Katie Tour was climbing the proverbial ladder. Money talks and BS walls. I don't right. know what was going. Laura Ingram, okay, but not little Katie. Not li What's the interview she did with Trump? I like Laura Ingram. <laughs> well, Katie looks better than Laura. Hey, Kyle, we love you, buddy. Merry Christmas. Next week, our last show of the year. Uh, Pastor Brett McAfee will be with us, dude. Give us the biblical accounting of the Christmas story, and who knows who else will be on. We'll find out between now and next week. But we will be with you live on Christmas Eve. So be with us, won't you? For Kyle Rogers, Keith well. Alexander, Liz, the intrepid Liz, our producer tonight. He, She had the clips right when I had them wrong. I tell you, she came to your rescue. <laughs> and got us the right Snoopy clip. We wanted Snoopy and the Red Baron Christmas version, not the uh, ask, ask and you shall receive. Hey, I'm James Edwards. Good night, Godspeed. Thank you, Kyle. And uh, to all the clips who played, Jesse Lee Peterson, George Wallace Jr., we love you. Good night.
You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.